This is the Manga Mavericks podcast on allcomic.com episode 46. I think I got that right. I don't know for some reason. Yes, 46. I'm so confident in my episode numbers. Uh, We are a podcast not only dedicated to talking about manga as a medium, but as an industry. I'm Colton, and um, Sid is not on this episode. Um, I'm not going to bother doing a bit because I'm not good at... uh, I'm not good at improv on the spot. So, uh, just to kind of get this out of the way, uh, Sid will not be on this episode. We were actually going to take a break, but I insisted on doing an episode without him. You know, not because I don't like recording with Sid. I mean, obviously, if I didn't, I wouldn't be doing the show with him. (laughs) So, um, you know, Sid's basically busy with school stuff at the moment. And by the time this episode's out, you know, he'll be ready to get back to doing the show again, thankfully. Um, but for now, I've had to enlist the help of some of my friends here to get out an episode. And uh, first off, uh, I've invited a, uh, a past guest on, uh, somebody that I'm pretty sure if I remember our survey results that uh, people had been requesting to come back on. Um, I have with me Bomber D. Rufi, otherwise known as Sakaki or Kiriban on Twitter. Hi, buddy. How's it going? Hey, I'm doing good. I can't believe people requested me back. I, I didn't think I thought your audience had better taste than that, but that's <laughs> fine. <laughs> I kid, I kid. It's good to be back. It's good. To- um, um, yeah, we were like, it like just dawned on us before we actually started the show that you haven't been on in like a year. Yeah, since I what? Yeah, the last time I was on was a promote show on this Sunday. So yeah, it has been a while. Yeah, which hopefully we'll get to do that again soon because I know. You know, I've I've been bothering you a lot about um, talking about that new title that uh, Viz picked up recently, the the Sleepy Princess in the Demon's Castle. Is that what that's called? I always yes. I always feel like I get the title for that wrong. I yeah I yeah that's what it's called, Sleeping Princess and um the Demon King's Castle. Yes. Yeah, so that's a Sunday title that Viz picked up, and I know, like, this year in particular, we're kind of focusing on Shonen Jump stuff because it is the 50th anniversary of Jump, technically, but. You know, I'm hoping to set some uh, set some time aside to either have you, Maxi, or both on to maybe talk about the first volume of that when that comes out. Just because I feel like I feel like we should really take time out of our schedule to talk about Shonen Sunday stuff when we can, and that's what we have you for. Because you know, you're you're the Sunday guy, as people seem to know you. Uh, yeah, that's my brand. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I look forward to that. I look forward to that. So yeah, essentially, I'm going to have Bomber on to help me kind of cover the news and, you know, just kind of chat with me a bit before we before we head out into our uh, discussion for the episode, uh, in which I brought Maxi from Friendship Ever Victory. Uh, I brought him on to talk about yet another canceled jump series. This will be our third one. Um, I think in the discussion, I think we, we refer to Hi-Fi Cluster a lot because that was a special episode of the podcast I had put up a year or two back. Um I totally forgot that we talked about Love Rush uh, last year during February or whatever. So yeah, this is technically our third Cancel Jump series that we have talked about. On this episode in particular, though, we talk about Takamagahara from Juzo Kawaii that ran back in 2012 and was one of the first um, simultaneously run uh, series in the Viz Shonen Jump that ran for the entirety of its run. Like, this was back before, like, Jump Starts were a thing. So it was kind of interesting to kind of look back and uh, and kind of take a look at it after, like, five years. So I, I really like doing these uh, kinds of episodes with Maxi, and I hope we get to do more. Um, but yeah, that's basically what we have on tap for this episode. Before we get to that, Bomber and I are going to talk about some news. 
So I guess we can just kind of start off here with another list, that being the, um, what is it, the uh, the monthly book scan list for March in particular, um, and just kind of list off some of the manga that have uh, ranked on this list. Now, the book scan list, as um, Sid would mention, basically represents sales from stores such as Barnes & Noble and other book chains, independent bookshops, and whatnot. Um, it doesn't reflect sales at you know, specialty comic book stores, Amazon, Walmart, and other stuff like that. And uh, basically for this list at number three, uh, we have uh, The Legend of Zelda, the Twilight Princess manga. Um, again, The Legend of Zelda manga doing fairly well as always. Uh, Zelda is a pretty big video game franchise. Uh, Bobber, I don't know if you, I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Legend no, of Zelda? No, it doesn't sound like something that I... M- might have heard of, no? Okay, well, no, no, I mean, you know, I I mean, who, who I plays video games, right? Um, <laughs> and uh, let's see, at number four, we have uh, One Punch Man, Volume 13. Uh, ranking in number seven, we have My Hero Academia, Volume 11. Uh, number nine, we have Monster Musume, Volume 13. Tokyo Ghoul Re, Volume 3, ranking at number 10. And uh, let's see, Boruto Volume 3, ranking at number 12. Uh, Splatoon Volume 2, another video game manga, ranking at number 13. Uh, we have Shiromiwa's Ruby manga, ranking at number 16. Uh, another volume of My Hero Academia, Volume 1 in particular, ranking at number 17. Uh, number 18, we have Dragon Ball Super Volume 2. And at number 19, we have uh, Carcaptor Sakura Clear Card Volume 2. So I'd say this is a pretty... I don't think I'm, I'm not. I, I wouldn't say like. I don't. I, I feel. I, I don't want to be like. Oh, it's not the most interesting list. But like you know, it's it's a lot of the same stuff we see on here from time to time, with the exception of stuff like you know Monster Musume and Car Captor Sakura. Those are some nice additions to see. We don't. I don't think. I don't think I've seen those on the um, on the book scan list too often. So it's nice to see those. But you know, it's a lot of the usual sub suspects. You know. Stuff like Legend of Zelda, One Punch Man, and My Hero Academia. Oh, and Tokyo Ghoul. Let's not forget Tokyo Ghoul, you know. All that stuff does really well. I find it interesting that we got two superhero manga, like, up there like that. <laughs> I know. Um, it, I mean, you, I I don't know if you heard. Superheroes are, you know, they make money, I guess. You know, Marvel's I, I mean, I popular, I guess. I mean, not to, not, <laughs> I, I guess. I, not to be a hipster, but, you know, I don't really keep up with the English side of things too much and I really should get back into doing that <laughs> but yeah so I mean this list is really interesting to me and there is a kind of a bit of crossover I mean with Tokyo Ghoul One Punch Man and My Hero Academia they do well overseas they do well in their native country too so that that's that's interesting to note on that but I'm I'm kind of surprised to see um, I'm I, the thing that surprised me the most really is seeing Card Capture Secure here as well I mean, mm. I Wait, guess I'm like I'm I'm surprised to see it on the list, but I guess I'm also not surprised because Car Captor Sakura, uh, like, is also one of those like, you know, not n- not as nostalgic as say like maybe Sailor Moon or Dragon Ball, but like it's still a pretty nostalgic franchise in its own right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, that was the monthly book scan list, and now uh, we're gonna move on to something a little more interesting. So, in the combined May and June issue of the Sukuru Shupan's Sukuru Magazine. Um, it seems they have published a chart recently, uh, listing the top 15 manga volumes for each of our three major publishers, Kodansha, Shokaku-kan, and Shueisha, uh, in the last 12 months based on first printings. 
Uh, these charts reflect the first print runs from volumes released between April two, uh, 2017 through March 2018. So this is pretty recent stuff. Um, we won't go over everything, um, but I do want to go over at least like the top five of everything here. So let's go through Kodansha first. Uh, from the bottom up, uh, number five, we have Ace of Diamond, Act 2, Volume 7, uh, apparently with 367,000 copies in print. Uh, number four, we have Space Brothers, Volume 31, with 372,000 copies in print. At uh, number three, we have Saint Young Men, Volume 14, with 428,000 copies in print. Uh, number two, we have The Seven Deadly Sins, Volume 26, at 575,000 copies in print. And finally, at number one, of course, we have Attack on Titan, Volume 22, with 1,870,000 copies in print. Which, um, I guess as far as Kodansha titles go, I'm, I'm not too surprised at some of these. I guess, um, I, I guess I'm surprised. Isn't Saint Young Men that series about Jesus and Buddha just hanging out? Have you heard of that series, Bomber? Yeah, I, I have heard. I've never read it, but I've heard of it. And yeah, I've, it's quite popular. Hmm. Yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't realize, I didn't realize it was that popular, or at least like it. I guess it. Um, I didn't realize there were that many volumes of something like that in print. I don't know why I thought that it, it ended. Maybe it hasn't. Yeah, for some reason, I've I I'm kind of surprised something like that has lasted this long. It feels like something that should be shorter than like five volumes to me. But I guess that's just me. I mean, from what I from what I remember the premise, it's literally just them hanging out, which you could just. I guess expand upon forever, really. <laughs> I, I guess so. Yeah. Um, so that's interesting to me. Um, I also didn't know that Ace of Diamond had a sequel. That's interesting. I hope that gets picked up because I want to. I want to read Ace of the Diamond at some point because I hear really good things about that series. Yeah, I've heard like I've got lots of friends who are into it, so I knew about the sequel from. I've known about the sequel, but the thing that surprised me is Space Brothers being so high up. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I, I imagine, I know a lot of people like Space Brothers, but yeah, I guess I guess being in the top five is kind of surprising. Yeah, especially with so many, well, it's less a thing of it being Space Brothers as much as is the volume count. Like something that that many volumes still being kind of, especially when the anime is aired so long ago for it. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, so that kind of surprised me a bit. And it's not like, I don't think it's a really super big franchise, like, I think I think it's also coming to an end at some point too, because I think I remember I think I remember there being reports of like a final arc on the horizon, or maybe it's already over. I I forget. I'm not sure. I know there were rumblings about it ending at some point, um, but I guess uh, we can just kind of move on to Shogaku Khan uh, Bomber. You, you might be you might be interested as somebody who is a uh, huge fan of Shonen Sunday. Actually, do you want to go over this list? All right, I'll do it like you and go from bottom up. Well, we've got Major Second, Volume 9, with 370,000 copies in print. We've got Mix, Volume 11, 401,000 copies, in, 401, copies in print. Maki, Volume 33, 410,000 copies in print. Detective Conan, 700,000 copies of print. And Silver Spoon, 850,000 copies in print. So, with this list, <clears throat> I'm pretty much familiar with everything, because it's like, only Mix doesn't run into Weekly Magazine, so... So can I, can I ask you something, Bomber? I, I recognize every title in that in the top five of that list, except for Mix. I've never heard of the series before. Can you tell me a little bit about it? It is a baseball series by 
uh, you know, acclaimed basically baseball god, Adachi Mitsu. Okay, okay, now, now it's starting to sound familiar. I'm sure Sid is listening to this and being like, Colt, we've talked about this before. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I've, uh, oh. unfortunately, I, and, and it's really funny since, like, Major and Mix are both baseball series. <laughs> so, uh, I've not, I'm not a sports person, so I've not really read either <laughs> one. I like, but, 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 to be fair, I really enjoy Touch by Adachi Mitsu, so maybe at some point I'll come around to mix. But the other rest are the rest <clears throat> on this list are actually, you know, not surprising. And it, it what what a lot of people probably would find surprising is that Conan, as much as that has like, it's weird. Like Silver Spill, Silver Spoon spells sells more than Conan in Shonen Sunday, but Conan has a higher cultural like impact. I mean, to be fair, it's much, much longer too. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's weird because you you look at like Jump or something, and One Piece is the highest seller and the highest cultural impact. So it's like usually you get both in one package. But with Conan, it's like, and Conan's actually had kind of a renaissance lately too. I don't know why. But I think for a while, Conan was kind of quiet, and then, like, over the last year or two, it's kind of exploded back into the scene again. This is somebody kind of looking from the outside in as somebody who's not, like, completely caught up to Conan, but is, like, aware of, like, very vague plot details. Do, do you do you think it's because of just, like, because I, I know big stuff's been happening in the story, hasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Really recently, they actually revealed one, a huge plot element. I, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about what that is here, so there might be like people listening that haven't caught up to Conan either and don't want to know, so I won't say. But they're, a pretty big thing dropped in the series recently, and it does seem like... I, I won't say so much that it's on the streamline to ending soon. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. But I do think it is actually, it does seem like Aoyama is on the point where he's like, okay, I got to actually start addressing this plot that I've been big baking here. I, may, I might want to think about how I'm going to end this at some point in the next 10 years. Yeah, because actually, I mean, interesting little tidbit is, um, I mean, I, I don't, I'm sure people are aware Conan was on hiatus till recently. and now it's back and a lot of people you know there are a lot of speculation of why conan went on hiatus you know from aoyama just needing time to think of stuff from or to him being sick i actually saw in a recent report that it sounds more like his editor was more his editor asked him to take a break hmm interesting because he's i mean he kind of said you know hey you're kind of getting up there in age and we don't need you dying because <laughs> we then we can't have we can't have conan solve the crime when conan's creator is the, the murder so it's the one that was murdered <laughs> like i don't even want to think about that that makes me really sad like that kind of stuff is up there with um um i saw rumblings online about how there was this um and you you can correct me on this if you if you know what i'm talking about bomber because I'm, I'm kind of, I kind of vaguely remember details about this, but I, I think um, uh, somebody had reported from like a jump exhibition event or something that like Togashi is actually legitimately scared that like he won't be able to see the end of Hunter Hunter, quote unquote, implying that like he's not going to be able to finish this thing before he eventually goes, which kind of like the thought of that kind of scares me a little bit. Yeah, I, I feel like I heard that somewhere too. That, you know, it's a thing. I, he, I know he outlined at some point what left, what's left of the series that he wants to do. So that's a thing. But 
I think I did hear that too. And I, and I've heard even from Oda that he's kind of as much as people might think that One Piece is moving very slowly, he's actually stepped up his game a bit because he's like I'm not going to live forever either. I got I really there's a lot of stuff I want to do. So if I want to see this series through, I have to start picking up my pace. So but yeah, I I don't know. Actually, uh, from what I've heard, it, it seems like Aoyama did say his it was more he did it is a little bit that he wanted to rest and relax, but even while he was on hiatus, he was doing work for like the upcoming movie in Japan um, and drawing other artwork. He just wasn't drawing the manga, but now it's back. But yeah, it, it was kind of implied that his his um, editor just said, you're working really hard. Take a little bit of a break. So, Oh, that, that's that's good, at least, that he was allowed to take a break. Um, I, I'm, I'm all for manga creators you know taking a well-deserved break when they need it yeah i um i i really wish there would be more like i i guess whenever we do talk about sunday that's something i would like to talk about is kind of like editor like schedule because sunday from some authors like accounts of things they're actually really kind of being a little more lenient for authors so more so than other shonen magazines i've seen that's interesting so, so that's something i could maybe i guess pop in less other time but um i mean i, I guess I'm, I'm not i'm not that surprised considering what we talked about you know sunday on on the show before about how sunday is kind of gives off that like more relaxing vibe you know because you know showed in sunday what what do you what how, how do you feel when you think about a sunday you know like a nice lazy sunday afternoon i'm, I'm assuming that's the probably the kind of vibe they're going for maybe I yeah don't know. and that's actually and you've actually hit it that that's what the original i, I don't know the guy's name and that's really bad but <laughs> the original the guy that actually you know came up with the sunday magazine that's the image he was going for when he named the magazine shown in sunday which is a relaxing sunday afternoon that, that sounds about right and even though the magazine actually comes out Wednesday, <laughs> so <laughs> I mean that, that's these these Japanese magazines are confusing. Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, not not a very surprising list, right? For 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 Shogaku Khan, I guess. Um, again, like like you said, Silver Spoon being at the top of the list here probably might be surprising for people who don't read a lot of other Sunday stuff, but. Yeah, like you said, like Silver Spoon technically does sell more uh, than Conan, so obviously, you know they're they're going to print more volumes of that, even though Conan again has more of an impact on the culture in general, um, which is kind of interesting. All right, now we got to move on to Shueisha, the 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 big dog. Yeah, the king of the world. <laughs> so we're going to start from the bottom up here. Again, from t- from the f- top five. Um, at number five, we have Kingdom, Volume Forty Nine, uh, with uh, seven hundred and fifty thousand copies in print. Um, number four, we have One Punch Man, Volume Fourteen, with also with seven hundred and fifty thousand copies in print. Tokyo Ghoul Re at number three, Volume Fifteen, with eight hundred and twenty thousand copies in print. And number two, we have Hunter Hunter, Volume Thirty Five, with one million five hundred thousand copies in print. And then at number one, to nobody's surprise, we have One Piece Volume 88 at 3,300,000 copies in print. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I guess I'm, I was going to say, like, I was going to say I'm surprised Kingdom has that much in print, but, like, Kingdom apparently does very well over in Japan. Yeah, yeah, it does. And what's incredible about it is it wasn't the anime that did anything for it, really. It was it pretty much languished in complete obscurity until it was featured on a very popular talk show 
that's when it exploded. Hmm, that's really interesting. <laughs> yeah, it, it really... The anime did nothing for it. I mean, before the anime, it was just kind of there. It did well enough to get an anime. And then it got its anime. The anime aired and disappeared. And it just was like, okay, continued kind of existing. I wish I remembered the name of the talk show, but... It was fit. they went to Hara's house, the author, and they interviewed him, and then it kind of became huge. And now it's a, and now apparently I read a news report that's really big with girls. So I could see that that somehow that just makes sense to me, and I've never even read Kingdom. <laughs> it's a good read, but yeah, yeah, as, that's... man, yeah. I I really need to get on Kingdom at some point. I feel I feel like I've said it on the show before. I feel like at some point somebody's gonna pick that up. Yeah, I I feel like at this point they can't ignore it. Even though I could see them kind of being skittish about it because it is long. And even Haro is like, I want this to be 100 volumes long or something like that. I know he said something along those lines that he's going to do this forever of <laughs> a hundred volumes but <laughs> but yeah uh i'm i'm sure somebody has an interest in at least taking a look at this like i'm i'm sure there are people over here who would buy it because i know i know there are i like i see people talk about kingdom a lot yeah when i when i started reading kingdom on twitter people just started following me because i was reading it i <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't even a thing where i was like i haven't even even talked about whether i liked it or not I just said, I'm going to read Kingdom. <laughs> yeah, I, I just imagine you being like on Twitter, hey, I, I, hey guys, I'm thinking about reading Kingdom gets like gets like 10 new followers. <laughs> yeah, I got like 20 new. All I did was I just put up the first cover. I'm like, I guess I'll read this. Got 20 followers in a day. <laughs> 20, I mean, just like, and that's it. So Kingdom's a pretty big deal. And, and I think it's, and I, I feel like a series that deserves the hype it gets because it is very good. Mm, yeah, I, I really need to get to that at some point. You know, One Punch Man, I'm sure nobody's surprised about that. Tokyo Ghoul Re, both very big franchises over in Japan and overseas. Um, Hunter Hunter, with as many breaks as it takes, is, you know, very... It's very well known that it still does very well. Um, yeah. Because I'm like I'm pretty sure that like every time a new volume comes out, it sells at least a million copies, like guaranteed. Yeah. It just I think at one point when Naruto was running, it was doing Naruto's numbers with a single volume. <laughs> and then also another interesting thing is a lot of these like Kingdom, um, Tokyo Ghoul Re, and One Punch Man technically are Young Jump magazine things, so they're seinen manga. Like, only one One Piece and Hunter Hunter are the only two that are from the main... Well, I won't call it main. I mean, most people only know Shonen Jump, but that's not like... In Japan, it's not like the main magazine or anything. But, yeah, One Piece and Hunter Hunter are in weekly Shonen Jump, which is the more popular one. But Tokyo Ghoul, One Punch Man, and Kingdom. And even One Punch Man doesn't technically run in the magazine. It runs online. So, yeah, but those three series are all seinen, technically. So that's an interesting thing. Like I'm looking at the other list, and most of the most of the top five that we've read are in Shonen magazines, except for I mean, Kodansha only has Saint Young, well, oh, Space Brothers and Saint Young Men, so that's two. And then you look at Shogakukan, and the top five, yeah, they're all in Shonen magazine, and they're all in weekly, except for Mix, which is a monthly Shonen Sunday, but the other four titles are weekly Shonen Sunday, hmm. so. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting to take a look at there. Um, but yeah, I, I thought that was an interesting list. Um, again, not not terribly surprised that the the series in particular that get these huge like print runs. 
But uh, yeah, it's 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 always interesting to see what's uh, what what's what, what's what's the new hotness in, in Japan. Like, what, what do people really like to read? What 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 are what are people going out to buy? You know? Yeah, and this, this list I'm more familiar with than the book scan ones. So, <laughs> but I guess now we can move on to some serialization news and talk about some new manga on the horizon. And we're going to start off with um, with uh, Chiho Sato, or uh, I'm sorry, Chiho Saito. Uh, the creator of uh, Utena uh, in Shogakukan's Monthly Flowers magazine. I guess uh, the, the official website for that magazine in particular had a preview of Chiho Saito's new manga coming up called Kakuya Den, or Bright Night Legend, as it's uh, roughly translated as, and is apparently going to be a new take on the tale of Princess Kakuya, which, which is a real, like, uh, I guess, Japanese fairy tale. I guess if you, if you want to see... Uh, a really interesting take on that. I'd really recommend watching uh, The Tale of Princess Kaguya, directed by uh, the now late Isao Takahata. Uh, great, great movie, very stylistic. Um, really interesting take on the story, just as somebody who was kind of only vaguely familiar with Princess Kaguya up until then. Um, just a great movie in general. And uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind giving this a, giving this a look at if, if it ever got licensed or not. I, I really... Utena's another thing I need to get on. Me too. <laughs> but I guess just moving on. Uh, let's see. The official website for Futabasha's uh, monthly action magazine recently revealed that uh, Ichigo Takano, the author of Orange... Uh, we'll be launching a new series called Kimi ni Nare, or Become You, in the magazine's June issue on April 25th. And uh, it looks like, I'm kind of looking here, uh, I'm trying to look. It doesn't look like there is a synopsis. Uh, I mean, if I'm to take a stab at what it says on the thing, it does say, I mean, it has a tiny synopsis. It's not really much, but it just says it's about a story about you know, becoming yourself by lo- looking for who you are to become who you're supposed to be. I mean, that's what it says on this page. And I see that there is a tiny little synopsis about somebody about a third-year student, but it's really tiny and I can't read it. <laughs> <laughs> so I wish that whoever, I mean, I guess if I were to look up the page, I could probably do something, but uh, we could, I'm sure whenever it hits with the popularity of Orange, somebody will probably look into it. So yeah, but yeah, it, I can see a little bit about a third-year student looking for himself or something like that. So it's obviously a, a very personal story, which I'm I, I like stories like that. I, I can that's just something I can get into. Um, but let's see. So um, I guess these next two pieces of news, I'll just hand over to you, Bomber, since they they sort of are related to Sunday in one way or another. Okay. Um, well, the first one is we've got Shinobu Utaka, who's known for Magi, who has moved to another publisher, Kodansha, to start a new series called Orient. And uh, what, what, what is what is what is Orient about, Bomber? Well, from the little blurb on the page and what I've read on other sites, it's like it looks it's. If you've read Magi, it's basically sort of Magi with but with a Japanese bent. So it's about a fifteen year old a fifteen year old hero or warrior and I'm struggling to read this too because it's so tiny, but um a fifteen year old warrior who named um I'm not gonna try to read that name. <laughs> but he's basically looking to kind of take over Japan. And what's interesting about this is there are parts of the synopsis that are well uh they're censored. 
there are actually little scribbles on it, so you can't read what they say. So I don't, I'm not sure what they're trying to say, but yeah, it's about this young guy who's basically looking to be, to take over Japan. So I guess, like, do you think that's going to play into, like, some kind of big twist that maybe the first chapter's going to have or something? Like, oh, you thought, like, uh, Oda Nobunaga was responsible, but really it was this guy from history or something that we're just going to throw in here for some reason. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have a feeling that's, that's going to really tie into what the series is about. And as I said, Otaka, what I, most people know her about Magi, although she had a series before Magi. Um, and I'm not going to, I'm going to try to remember the title. If somebody out there knows it and is laughing at me, I'm glad I brought happiness into your life, but it's sumo, <laughs> mo, 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 the ultimate bride, which ran in Shonen Gon. I'm not sure if it's Shonen Gon Gon or Young Gon Gon, but it ran in one of those magazines for a while, and then she moved to Sunday. So I'm. She's not the only person to have moved to Kodansha in a while, because actually Colton and I were talking about that, and uh, Hiroyuki Take Shaman King fame is also there. Yeah, K- K- Koda- uh, Kodansha's grabbing all the all the really famous authors, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, and of course another series that runs there is Soul Leaders. Soul Leaders author is there too. So, oh yeah, uh, Fire Force. I think yeah, we we talked about that on the show before. Yes, Fire Force is there, and you know the guy that draws um Seven Deadly Sins. He was actually was shown Sunday for a while. That's, but... that's interesting. It's it's only a matter of time before like Hiromu Arakawa decides ah, I want to work for Kodansha now. She actually does. <laughs> she actually is drawing a series for Kodansha. Oh yeah, is, is it um? I guess is that where the Heroic Legend Arthur. of Arsling? Is that where that is? or? Yeah, it actually runs in the same magazine with Attack on Titan. Okay, I, I totally forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> so huh. so I, I guess I guess uh, Arakawa's already got her bases covered, already taking over the warring states of the manga industry. <laughs> yeah, everybody's just, they're all jumping ship, so. <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that's interesting. I, I'm ashamed to say I haven't, I haven't seen a lot of Magi, so I, I don't really have an opinion of um, Otaka's work, unfortunately. But I, I know people like Magi, and it's another thing I'd, I'd like to get to at some point. Yeah, Magi, I felt like, was a really good... It, it was shonen, but it had very, like... I mean, they had the whole world-building thing. They actually had an arc where they actually talk about the, like, finances of running a kingdom. So huh. that's something I've never seen, like, a shonen manga do. They gloss over all those kinds of things. And I kind of found it refreshing that Magi actually talked about that a little bit. That sounds like something Togashi would do for Hunter Hunter, honestly. <laughs> and actually, a lot of the... A, a lot of the, like power system of Magi kind of remind me of Hunter x Hunter too, and that the story did go to kind of, you know, I hate to use the word dark, but I guess it went to a lot of darker places that I would expect to see from a shonen manga, especially with one with Otaka's very fabulous Arsa. I mean, this guy, if you could see him, <laughs> he looks very, he looks fabulous as hell, so, <laughs> so. Um, but, but I guess as far as Sunday goes, what's, what's the, what's the next piece of news here, Bomber? All right. Um, let's have a look. We got Hiroshi Fukuda, who drew Mushibugyo and Shonen Weekly Shonen Sunday, starring a new series coming back to Sunday again. And this one is called The World After. And like Magi's Magi series, the title of the series is actually scratched out. So hmm. it's the only thing you can read is The World After, and then it's blank. So I have no idea. We have no idea what that is. This one has a bit of a. This one at least has a um, 
synopsis. No one could, I mean, reading here, no one could protect Destiny in an impactful youth story. And it's based in Tokyo's Ikeburo era, area and centers on a boy named Yamato who worries about his relationship with his younger brother and has also his unspoken feelings for a childhood friend. So, but one day they are all confront, they are all, all three are confronted with a surprising incident. So, as somebody who's a very avid Sunday supporter, I'm aware I they actually started two other series before this. But yeah, this would be the third of a new serialization round. And this is the series I'm looking forward to, to the most. The first one was a basketball, which, which was a basketball manga. The second one was a tie-in for a cell phone game. And then this one, which is like, again, I like I've, I've, I liked um, Mushibugyo a lot from Fukuda. It had an anime, and I believe it's on Crunchyroll, so... I, I think it is, actually, yeah. I vaguely recall it being on Crunchyroll, but that was before I had Crunchyroll, and I was just kind of being a hipster and watching things raw. <laughs> but So <laughs> I haven't actually tried to see if it's there. But yeah, Mushibugyo was a lot of fun. I, I, I feel like it's a series a lot of people kind of looked didn't really bother with, because one, being in Sunday, so it was kind of unheard of. <laughs> and another thing is, it was a series that was really heavy on like the etchy stuff at first, but then it kind of... It kind of moved away from that and became kind of a really great action series in its own right. But yeah, so I'm I, I enjoyed it and that was a series I liked really just reading up until it ended. And so seeing Fukuda back in the magazine is really great. Unfortunately, like I well not unfortunately, but as I said, I mean I'm actually even looking at the Japanese flyer as it right now. But yeah, it is just the the series title is censored so what it could actually be i'm sure maybe it'll be revealed when the chapter hits in two weeks the whole world turns to stone (laughs) (laughs) that would be so great if that were just like (laughs) it's just it's just dr stone it's just dr stone again it's like yeah you like dr stone so you're gonna give you more (laughs) Hey, hey, you like? Hey, you like Doctor Stone? Well, d- here you go, Doctor Stone, the Sunday remix. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I'm looking at the Japanese flyer of the series now, and yeah, uh, as the Anime News Network article says, it's basically talking about a fate that no one could have predicted—a shocking juvenile story. The interesting about juvenile is just it. I I, I love that when they say that in Japanese media because, like, your mind goes to one place, but for them, juvenile story just means story about youth. That makes sense to me. Um, So, yeah, I'd I'd be interested in seeing if... um, I guess guess I'll be looking forward to your blog to maybe uh, seeing what this series is all about. Yeah, I would would definitely tell people to check out Mushibugi. I mean, hang in there for the first couple of volumes because it is a tough sale. I'm not going to lie. But Musha, but Fukuda's art style is so good. I've never seen a guy attempt like some of the points of views and angles and paneling that he has. So it's really he's got really good artwork. And the funny and you know I could go on and on and gush about it, but I won't. But <laughs> but it, it would definitely it, that would probably if to give an exact date like the street date would be April 25th that it would be in Shonen Sunday's issues 22 and 23 so I'm only a couple days after this episode's release so got people got something to look forward to um but I guess just to kind of move on to 
uh, more series being announced. Um, apparently, uh, the artist of Akamega Kill, Tetsuya Tashiro, uh, will be launching a new manga in Square Enix's Gangan Joker on April 21st, uh, titled Kaijin Reijo. And unfortunately, that's kind of all the info we have on that so far. But um, I know there are people out there who, whether it be ironically or unironically, really like Akamega Kill. So I thought that was kind <laughs> of interesting. I don't I don't know if I'll ever read it myself. I've heard it's pretty trashy, but I don't know. Some, some sometimes sometimes I just kind of feel like, like we all feel like dumpster diving at some point. Like, you know, like we, I, might, I might want to take the dive at some point. I don't know. I'm not watching the anime, though. I I I wasn't very into the anime. I think I watched like two episodes and I, I dropped it. I just didn't really find it very interesting, unfortunately. Um, but I guess just to move on here. So, uh, Satoshi Mizukami, the author of such series as Lucifer and the Biscuit Hammer and Spirit Circle, announced a new original mecha anime and manga project titled Planet With. And uh, apparently Mizukami uh, said that uh, the project is based on a concept he began working on uh, four years ago. And that he has drawn 1,074 pages of manga storyboards for the project. And apparently there are promotional videos and uh, key visuals for uh, for this franchise, I guess. Uh, the anime will premiere this year. And uh, it looks like there will be, uh, again, a, a manga version drawn by Mizukami, uh, which will launch in the June issue of Shonen Gahosha's uh, Young King Hours on April 28th. Um, so it looks like, it looks like we're going to be getting the manga for that first. Um, it'll be interesting to uh, maybe. I, I I wouldn't mind checking out the anime. I I liked Lucifer and the Biscuit Hammer a lot actually, and I you could definitely tell by looking at the um the at the key visuals that these these are definitely designs from Mizukami. Um, they definitely look like his style, so I wouldn't mind maybe checking it out. Yeah, I I like Lucifer Biscuit Hammer a lot too, and this is I and it's ironic that none of that he has some of the most well loved stuff that I've seen. Because, like, I, whenever you mention Mizukami, most people's eyes light up, I mean, that have heard of him. So I haven't really met anybody that just outright doesn't like his stuff. So I think I got really close to the end because uh, aging myself here, I was around back when, you know, you had there was no online readers. <laughs> so you had, to download, you had to download everything to your hard drive to read it. And I think probably I just got really close to finishing it. And then, and of course, I back then I didn't understand Japanese. So I couldn't just be like, I'll just read the Japanese volumes. I'm tired of waiting for scandalations. And I guess I just never thought to go back to it once it got licensed. So I think I got really close to the end. So that's something I should probably do. And even then, it runs in the Seinen magazine, which is another thing about Mizukami's works I like is that they look very shonen. Yeah. But they're running, they all ran in the same, you know, Young King R's magazine, and they're at Seinen, so they can they can tackle different topics that shonen can't. So, but the ironic thing here is, again, this is like none of Mizukami's stuff has ever gotten anime, and now you get this project where he's basically making the anime himself. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I mean, he's I mean, clearly he's working with a um uh, animation company, a uh, studio to make this happen. But it's funny because I think I heard rumors. That Lucifer Biscuit Hammer was supposed to get an anime from Gainax, but then whatever for whatever reason that fell through. They even like somebody even told me, and of course take this with a grain of salt. Somebody even told me they got the pillows on to do a theme song and everything. Oh, uh, honestly, that's perfect. I could totally see that. 
they got the pillows to like do an opening or whatever. I mean, I, I guess it would, must have been pretty far along in production if they had already got the pillows to be. They already announced an opening ending. So, but for whatever reason, it just never happened. I mean, if if Gainax were behind it, it's probably because you know Gainax. I th- I think they're still around, but like I don't think they're in any condition to like produce anything. I think it's mostly studio like who like the most i think most of the people who were a part of gynax are like a part of trigger now i think that's how it is i don't i i know i know people who follow gynax a lot closer than i do and probably know a lot better than i do about the history of gynax but um yeah man like that that sounds perfect though like i I could see maybe like trigger at some point doing an adaptation of loose looser and the biscuit hammer that that sounds like the kind of thing they would animate i think i think they would do that really well yeah, because I'm thinking back on the series, and yeah, I, I can totally see like Imaishi and Hiroyuki just sakuging the hell out of this. <laughs> so, and the pillows are like perfect for. I wish they would do like like a like a soundtrack for for the anime or something. That would be amazing because I like because you know like like personally you know I don't dislike Fully Cooly, but like it's not like I don't think it's like the best thing ever. Though I I want to kind of rewatch it at some point. But I remember even with, like back then when I like when I first watched Fully Cooly and I was like, yeah, I don't know about this. Like, I feel like if anything, we can all agree that the pillows are amazing and they do great work. Yes, yes, because I I'm of the same opinion of Fully Cooly as you are, which is I watch. Well, I loved it at one time, but then when Adult Swim kind of ran it into the ground, I got tired of it. So <laughs> that, that, I think I think that's fair. <laughs> so yeah, but. Yeah, I I don't know about. I mean, but this would have been way back when Gynax was, I guess, still sort of relevant because when this they were is actually doing not, stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is definitely not new news at all. It was something I heard way many many years ago, and again, I don't know how true it is, but it sounds like it because I feel like Lucifer Bistic Hammer is probably Mizukami's one of its most popular works. Probably, yeah. I can see it like being its most well known. At least, yeah, it's most well. There we go, most well. No, that's probably that. That's a better way of putting it. So I could see them possibly saying, "Okay, yeah, we can make an anime out of this," but I, I, I don't know why they didn't function. But I, I mean, as for this work, I, I would look into it because I, I like Mizukami's art style. And again, generally speaking, other than one person, <laughs> I haven't met anybody that doesn't like his stuff. And for the most part, I like his stuff. I. I only really read almost all of Lucifer Biscuit Hammer, but from synopsises of stuff I've seen of his stuff, he's got very interesting takes on traditional tropes. So I'd love to see what he does when now that his work is being put into an animated format. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I guess moving on from that, Hiro Mashima, who you might know as the author of such works as Rave Master and Fairy Tale, uh, announced on Twitter couple days ago that uh he'll be launching a new series in kodansha's weekly shonen magazine in the 30th issue which will ship on june 27th and that uh it will be a it's 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 a completely new work um but i guess other than that he's going to be doing a fairy tale sequel manga or at least you know something of that kind is in the works uh in the form of a spin-off manga um and uh he also announced he's I I guess he's doing like a fairy tale sequel manga, and then like another fairy tale spinoff manga. I think. Um, and uh, let's see, uh, Mashima didn't specify whether he would be uh, if he'll be the one you know drawing them in particular. But uh, you know, we we got we got more fairy tale on the way. So if you like fairy tale, there you go. Um, I'm happy for you. <laughs> 
That's such a passive aggressive way of saying that. <laughs> I, I know that that that, pro- that sounded way more passive aggressive than I wanted it to be. But I mean, <laughs> we we've talked to death about how much either we don't care about fairy tale or we just don't like it. Um, I can't wait to do a reread of fairy tale and spend like four hours talking about it on manga Mavericks. I'm, that's going to be a fun day. Um, <laughs> I technically, I think I own like 40 volumes of that digitally because I, I bought it through, um, through a humble bundle. So I, I bought it for charity and I, I thought it was a good cause. It was really cheap too. I think I got it for like, I think I got like 40 volumes of fairy tale for like $15. It was really cheap. Humble Bundle does a lot of really awesome stuff with Kodansha. But it looks like soon afterwards, uh, Kodansha revealed three sketches for uh, for Mashima's upcoming new series uh, afterwards, which, um, you know, like kind of looking at them, like it's kind of hard for me to not think like, I don't know, because like, <sighs> I don't want to say it, but like, I just kind of thought, oh, are we sure this isn't just new fairy tale stuff? Because it doesn't really... I mean, I know they're, like, probably just sketches. They're not, like, full artwork. But, you know, like, the the, the guy, like, the very... In the very last storyboard sketch just... Like, he looks very Natsu to me somehow. I, I can't really explain it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, I'm scrolling through it and, like... I mean, yeah, obviously, it's Hiromashima's art style. And when you, when you spend 63 volumes with him... Then anything after that's gonna look like his pre- the last work, and he's also like just completely like reused other character designs that he's used in like Rave Master for Fairy Tale before too. So he's not really above doing stuff like that. I mean, he's already flat out said Plue will be in this new series, so <laughs> so there you go. But yeah, I I have a weird thing with Mashima where I love his art, but. I don't like his writing. I I know. I feel, I I'm, I'm conflicted too cuz the cuz I've said it before the dude works really hard on his stuff and I really respect him for it. I I respect his work ethic, but man, like and it pains me to say cuz I love Rave Master and I thought that yeah. was a really great series, honestly. It was a great adventure yeah, I series. I love Rave Master. Like I love Rave too. Like I would. Uh, I need to do a, ra- ra- a rave reread myself, but I love rave. It's like compared compared to Rave Master Fairy Tale, just like never really had that much focus to me. It just kind of did whatever it wanted, and I think I think that's why at some point it just kind of lost me. Unfortunately, um, yeah. That that time skip was a was a deal breaker for me. Like totally. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it got any better afterwards. I don't know, but at some point I'd like to read through all the fairy tale. You know, just just to say I did, but you know, obviously, you know, I I have other stuff I'd rather read. Um, and um, just to kind of finish off this piece of news, um, it seems like Kodansha basically they didn't confirm that it was being simultaneously published in different countries, but you know, it seems like they're implying that maybe that they're going to be looking into that from the quote that they posted. So. I mean, I'm sure with it being Hiromashima, and you know, obviously Fairy Tale is still a very popular series. I can't, I can't imagine that this isn't going to end up being a simul pub on Crunchyroll or something. But um, you know, new, new stuff from Hiromashima. I just hope it's, I just hope it's different from Fairy Tale. Yeah, let's hope it's on the closer to the rave gradient on the scale. <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping it just in general has better writing personally because. That's like the my biggest complaint about fairy tale. Really, is I just 
yeah, it, I don't know. But anyway, moving on from that. Um, so I guess we can start talking about series that have ended recently. And um, sad to say that uh, a jumpstart that we have talked about on the show a couple months back at this point with um, with the editor, uh, Marlene First, you may remember we had her on to talk about both this and uh, Astro Lost in Space. Again, both things that she has edited. And uh, this series, Boza Beats, uh, has ended in Shonen Jump as of, I guess, basically uh, this past issue by the time this episode is out. Um, issue 20, again, th- th- that'll be the latest issue by the time this episode is out. But uh, yeah, um, and I did the math, so... So so let, let me let me let me let me take you through this real quick. I'm 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 gonna look through my Viz app. So let's see. Uh Boza Beats premiered uh in Jump on January 15, 2018, in the in issue seven. And so let's see, just uh counting from uh, according to my Viz app, so let's see, let's see, that's uh let's see, that's two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve. 13, 14. It ran for 14 chapters. Like, this series literally just kind of came and went. Which, which is kind of a shame, because, like, we talked about it on the show a couple months back, and, like, you know, I didn't... I don't think I thought it was, like, amazing or anything, but, like, it really gave me the vibes of, like, something like uh, To Your Eternity from Yoshitoki Oima or, like, Golden Kamui. Kind of, like, that very rustic kind of feeling that th- both those series have, like, you know, they're both series that, like, or at least as far as the first chapter goes, I th- I think the setting changes by the end, but, like, both series kind of, like, took place in the woods and had a lot to do with, like, nature and demons. It was it was interesting, at least, and did have some nice art, but I guess it just wasn't taking off, which, which is unfortunate, because it had some neat ideas, but, uh, I don't know, I, I guess it just didn't really take off with readers, I guess. But yeah, fourteen chapters. That is a, that's a short run. That that's that's. I think that's just barely two volumes. I I told you before before we um started this this uh this podcast that I had a period with Jump where I was away because of stuff like this. I I haven't read this series. I haven't read Bo's Beats, so I really don't have anything to say about it. I mean, I've seen some of the promo art when it was first started, so I really do and now that i'm thinking back on it when you say it i realize yeah it really hasn't been any time at all but that's jump i mean i can't be mad at jump oh i can be mad at jump but (laughs) what their system works for them they're the biggest manga magazine in japan for a reason so this is why i don't read anything new in jump until it surpasses 40 50 chapters because at that point you can kind of tell whether it's gonna stay or whether it's going to peter out and die soon. Because, you know, like, there have been cancelled series in Jump, like uh, Omagadoki Zoo, Kohei Horikoshi's first work in Jump, that ran for almost 40 chapters, but unfortunately had a very premature ending, the kind of ending where it's like, I think they they kind of resolved the story, but it's still, like, if the series had to continue past that point, you you could do so. But it, it's kind of like one of those, like, the, the journey is only beginning kind of endings. Ah, you know, that kind of thing. That's something else I want to read at some point. I mean, now that Horikoshi is a big deal. Oh, man. Like, <laughs> it's it's really good, Bomber. Like, I I don't want to sound hipster, but, like, I was a fan of Horikoshi before My Hero Academia. And, like, if it weren't for <laughs> Makoto Kizu, I probably wouldn't be a fan of his. Well, I mean, I probably still would have read My Hero Academia, but I've... 
I've been a fan since almost the beginning, I guess, if I want to sound like a hipster. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't familiar with Horkoshi at all. I, I came in with MHA, so, you know, <laughs> but <clears throat> still, for it, for it to end this quickly, yeah. No, I was just going to say, it's it's. I, I know that's jump, how Jump does things, but yeah, it's still kind of sad to see anything end this quickly. Like, I guess just, just for the sake of comparison, the, the canceled series we're going to be talking about later on in the episode, Takamakahara, ran for three more chapters than this. It ran for 17 chapters all uh, altogether. It had a three-chapter longer run than Boza Beats. And, and I don't want to give away too much of our conversation, but considering how Takamakahara ended, like... I'm surprised something like Boza Beats la- didn't even last as long as Takamakahara. So that so that makes me really interested in like uh, how the story went for Boza Beats after that first chapter, whether like it was trying to set up for something bigger and then just got prematurely cut, or like if it just started throwing ideas you know out the wazoo and was like trying to throw whatever it can at the wall to try to you know st- you know stick to readers. Like I find that kind of thing really interesting as far as like the creative process goes. But I guess, uh, you know, just moving on from that, um, more series that have ended. Uh, so, uh, Juni Tyson, the manga adaptation of the novel from uh, Nisi Oisin, um, which uh, is also running simultaneously for free on the Viz Manga website, um, will be ending in the fourth volume. And it looks like the fourth volume is slated to be released in Japan on July 4th. So, yeah, th- that'll be interesting. Um I've been I've been throwing the idea here out there here and there on the show about maybe getting into Juni Tyson through the manga because I remember when the anime was out I, I knew people who were watching it and kind of liked it but like I've also heard you know opinions from people I trust that like you know like like people like Maxi who uh, who agree that like the manga as far as um, just as far as art the art is concerned just looks a lot better. <laughs> I didn't watch the anime just because like some of the things I heard, and it wasn't really so much that people saying it was bad or good. It's just like it just was. It just didn't seem like your thing. Yeah, it just didn't seem like like thing. Plus, I don't like Nisios. And-, and that's total. That's totally fair. Like I've I've tried getting into Monogatari before, and like I can see why people like it, but it's like it's really not for me at all. <laughs> yeah, it's like no, no. I mean, I feel like I will give Nisio Ocean this. As a writer, he's very multifaceted, and I, I don't – I know this is going to sound really kind of terrible, but I'm just going to say it. I I mean, he's a multifaceted writer and, you know, I guess maybe talented? <laughs> but, <laughs> Uh-oh, throw a shade. Um, I mean, but, but I feel like he can do he, – he, he's really good at doing different types of scenarios and making them all because I feel like there's a work of his – for everybody, I guess, because I like Katana Gatari, for example. I did like that, mm-hmm. but for good things, about I it. don't like. I, I don't like Monogatari, and I mean, I just find it very pretentious. <laughs> but um, I I don't. I think there was something else he did that I read that I was like, oh, I'm, I'm okay with this. So Madaka I mean, Box? I guess yeah. Okay, there we go. Yeah, I did like that a bit. <laughs> So, yeah, I, I feel like he there's something the one thing about him is like there's definitely one story. I mean, he's so he's good at doing different things. So it's not like if you don't like Monogatari, then you're not you don't have to write him off completely. 
but uh yeah i i guess the combination of just i didn't i just wasn't really into the prom, the premise of um um the zodiac but and at the same time i juni tyson yeah the zodiac yeah but i wasn't into that the premise too much but i also just wasn't then his name was attached to it so i was like eh, that's kind of a high <laughs> high hard bar of entry and i <laughs> already have a lot of other stuff to watch so <laughs> no that, that's totally fair i i I was not interested in watching it week to week i wasn't really that interested in watching it at all honestly um but again I, i've heard good things about the manga adaptation so i would i would like to read it and maybe talk about it on the show at some point and again you know you, you can read that all for free on uh, on viz.com and i'm i'm sure they're going to be releasing that in volumes at some point if they if they have it already i I forget if they have or not, but anyway. Um, so the next thing that's going to be ending is Everyone's Getting Married. Uh, apparently will be ending on May 8th in the June issue of Petite Comic from Chicago Con. And uh, let's see, the June issue will also feature a spinoff chapter in addition to the final chapter of the manga. Um, I've heard good things about this series from Sid. I know he really likes this series, so... Um, I would I would not mind checking it out. It's it's being released by Viz, and I just need to read more shoujo manga in general. Mm, so let's see here. Um, so Bomber, have you ever heard of DN Angel? I have actually. I've watched some of the anime. I've never read the manga. Though. Well, I've I see. I didn't even know they had an anime. So so one, <laughs> I it's so weird because like I included the story for a weird reason. One. I, I knew a guy in high school who, like, wasn't into anime and manga at all, for the most part. I guess probably aside from, like, the more popular stuff, he wasn't, he didn't really, like, understand what anime or manga was. He just knew, oh, these are some cool shows on TV or whatever. But he was really into DN Angel for some reason. And I don't really know anything about the story of DN Angel. Hell, I didn't even know that apparently it's been on hiatus. Um, let's see, how how long has it been on hiatus? Um, I checked this out earlier. Uh, do, 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 do. Um, I guess it's, it's so DN Angel apparently has been on hiatus since 2005. It did come back for a little bit in 2008, it seems. But yeah, other other than that short return, it's it's been on hiatus for well, actually, I guess if it came back in 2008, then yeah, it's it's been on hiatus for like. 10 years at this point that's amazing i did i didn't even know that dn angel was on hiatus i just assumed like it was completed uh, it sh- shows you how much i know so yeah so the 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 main issue of katakoa's uh monthly asuka magazine revealed le- recently that dn angel will be making a return it doesn't look like any other tidbits have come out since then but you know, upcoming issues of Monthly Asuka will have further details on this um, on this return, apparently. So, I guess for people who are fans of DN Angel, this is this is some pretty awesome news. I there are way too many series that like I'm so afraid of getting into because they've been on hiatus for like ten plus years, like stuff like this and Nana and Bastard, like stuff I really want to get into, but it's like. These series don't have an end, and I'm afraid that, like, they're never going to have an ending, and I'm just going to feel, like, unfulfilled, and I really hate that feeling. Yeah, I, I I, mean, I'm looking at this right now, and it looks to me, at least from what I'm reading, that that it wasn't like the series went on hiatus because the author was sick or something. It just seemed like... I don't know. I don't know how certain... And this has always been something I found really interesting. I don't know how some magazines work, 
I look at it from like Shonen's like jump or whatever, but it looks as if you only get to oh, it's a woman. Anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, it's it. It seems to me that she just got to a point where she was just like, I I, I would rather write this. <laughs> I, you know, it's just like they're writing one series and they get an, an idea strike them for another one, and they're just like, yeah, I'm, I'm just gonna start another series, but I don't feel like finishing this one right now, and they just sort of go because I'm looking at her list of stuff that she's done, and Dean Angels '97, she did pilot the Candidate for Goddess, huh? And that ran in 1997 too. And then she's been doing series pretty much every year, 98, and they run about a year and an end, 98, 99, 2000, 2001. And now she's even got another series going at the same time, Junkisa, Junkisa Neko, and that's serialized, and plus she's not, she doesn't stick to one publisher either. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it just seems like to me that it wasn't like she was sick or just unable to draw anything. She just, it looks like she just got tired of doing Dean Angel and maybe she had writer's block and just moved to another series. I, I mean, I mean, if that were the case, I think that's reasonable, honestly. I mean, if you really can't come up with anything, or you know, if you feel so, you know, you're not feeling any ideas coming, then you know, I, everybody, everybody needs a break. Yeah, I, I feel like we're all very used to this idea that an author has to stick with the story until it's canceled or they're done writing it. That you know, it's hard to believe that maybe sometimes the author is just kind of like, I can't think of anything, or I just really don't like writing this anymore, so I'm just going to put it on hold and start another series. Again, it seems like the more high-profile magazines, that that doesn't happen. It's just something, it's either the work ends because it was canceled or because the author told their story and wants to move on. But in other in other magazines, it happens quite frequently where somebody will be drawing like three series at once. <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, actually, no, and Jump, there's Dr. Stone. Boichi's doing, like, another series, aside from Dr. Stone. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. But uh, I guess so. just some uh, next piece of serialization news we have here. So um, I guess just to get this out of the way, because um, this, is, this is a story we have brought up time and time again, unfortunately, because um, it looks like Welcome to the Ballroom is continuing its hiatus, Um so I guess just to kind of recap real quick, um, the series originally went on hiatus last December back in 2017, and uh, it was supposed to come back in March, let's see, with uh, Monthly Shonen Magazine's April issue, but that issue basically had a notice saying that uh, Takeuchi's health uh, basically deteriorated while drawing the newest chapter, so she couldn't really make it in time for it to be published, and uh, that the issue basically further noted that uh, that Takeuchi was basically planning on coming back to resume the manga in April for the May issue. But now it seems like the May issue of Monthly Shonen Magazine revealed that Welcome to the Ballroom is still on hiatus again due to uh, Takeuchi's health issues, and that uh, basically the magazine uh, had a note saying that, uh, you know, at this point they're basically like, okay... We're just going to make an announcement when, you know, she's feeling better and feeling better enough to actually start working on Welcome to the Ballroom again. Because so it's like, I feel sorry for Takeuchi because it's basically just been this, like, downhill battle of, like, constantly promising when she's going to come back with a new chapter of Welcome to the Ballroom. But, like, the last 
two or three times that you know she's uh, made a promise in the magazine she hasn't been able to keep it unfortunately which you know i i don't blame her like i don't know it's just kind of sad to see that like she clearly wants to keep working on the series but like you know the, the spirit is willing the, but the body isn't able to which is really unfortunate and we really wish all the best for tomo takeuchi's health and uh, we hope she uh, recovers soon yeah cuz i can i can imagine just like it it's kind of tough when you're you're an editor in a magazine and you have to keep making this promise cuz i i mentioned it to before we started recording that this actually kind of happened with conan where we're, there was a while, you know, when I'm writing the blog, and there was one time where it literally said Conan will be in the next issue, and then it just didn't. I mean, at least I guess the editors of this magazine, they're a little bit more straightforward about this, because, like, Shonen Sunday didn't mention it at all. It just, like, Conan just sort of wasn't there when they said it would be. <laughs> and <laughs> it's kind of like, uh, no, we don't talk about it. Maybe nobody will know this. Yeah, it's not. It's not like it's the biggest magazine manga in the magazine. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, you know, nobody. We'll just sweep Conan under the rug, and I mean, and then it was like it, it it did that for like two or three issues in a row, and then and then it just like then they put it in, and then they finally just said, yeah, you know, Conan's going to be on hiatus for a while. So I kind of I can imagine how that t- must be to be a manga editor, and you're telling fans of this work that they can expect more of it, especially since um, Ballroom runs in a monthly manga magazine, so that's a whole month that you got to sit there and hope that you'll get another chapter of this thing, and then it doesn't happen. But uh, anyway, like we said, we wish the best for Tobo Takeuchi, and we definitely wish for a uh, wish her to have a speedy recovery. But I guess just kind of moving on. Um, so, uh, Barbara, we're going to talk about your favorite series now. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I, it's, uh, funny because, no. <laughs> it's funny because Barbara doesn't like this series. Um, so Naruto is getting uh, three new novels. It's, it's getting a three novel book series. Uh, let's see. The first one is going to be called uh, Naruto Shinden, uh, The New Legend of Naruto. Uh, which is slated to ship in Japan on May 2nd, followed by Sasuke Shindan and Shikamaru Shinden. Shinden, I've been saying that wrong, whatever. Um, and it looks like it's going to be written, all these books are going to be written by uh, Mire Miyamoto, who did the the Saiki Kusuo live-action film novelization, I guess. And uh, apparently Masashi Kishimoto will be providing the artwork for uh, for these novels. And uh, all three books take place at a time when uh, each of the title characters are all parents, so this obviously takes place around or after the end of the original Naruto series. And uh, the first book in particular will feature short stories focusing on parent-child relationships. So pro- probably some insight on um, probably Naruto's relationship with his son Boruto in particular, probably. I don't know how much of that gets explored within the Boruto series in particular, but... I don't know. I've I've heard very interesting things about like Boruto, and I kind of like if I ever did a Naruto reread, which it's probably going to happen at some point. But if I ever got to a Naruto reread, I I wouldn't mind checking out Boruto because I've I've heard I've heard mostly positive things about it. I got nothing to say. (laughs) 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 Um, But I guess that's really it for serialization news, and we're going to move on to some licensing news. And um, we're going to start off with some stuff from Vertical. And um, something I'm really looking forward to is that uh, apparently Amazon 
had a listing for a release of Volume 1 of After the Rain, which did have an anime this past season uh, about a girl who, I think she works in a cafe, and she kind of has a crush on her, like, 40-year-old manager, and it's it's one of those things where it's like, oh, this premise sounds kind of skeevy, I don't know, I don't I don't trust it, like, uh, j- the Japanese are so perverted, right? Ugh. You know, one of those things. Um but apparently it's like actually like really sweet and endearing um and really handles this a particular relationship very well from what i hear like i've heard really good things about the anime so i really want to check out the manga for this at some point um it looks like the first volume is slated for a release on september 25th and uh let's see as far as other vertical licenses uh it looks like at anime boston uh, they announced at uh, their panel, uh, Vertical did, that uh, they have licensed, uh, you were kind of talking about this earlier, uh, Bomber, uh, they licensed some more uh, Nisi Oisin stuff with uh, Katana Katari and Kabuki Monogatari. Uh, so there's that. And then, uh, let's see, they also licensed the uh, the Dark Maidens from Rikako Akiyoshi, and as well as the Serial Killer Detective novels by Eiji Mikage. And uh, let's see here. So uh, as far as Dark Maidens is concerned, uh, that will be released on May 29th. And as apparently a novel set at a school named the Virgin Mary Girls Academy, where Itsumi Shiraishi, the beautiful daughter of the school's director, recently died. Uh, whether the death was an accident or a suicide or a murder remains a mystery, known only to the lily that Itsumi clutched in her hand as she died. So it's a uh, seems like a uh like mystery thriller kind of thing so that sounds kind of interesting as, as well as this uh serial killer detective novel series uh let's see which apparently vertical has not set a release date for but apparently they are aiming for a fall release on this uh the story in particular follows a man who is a detective by day and a serial killer by night and apparently the presentators at the at the panel sort of compared it to dexter uh which i think is interesting but, uh, yeah. Oh, here, I probably should mention that as far as uh, Katana Katari goes, um, Vertical is going to be releasing no- those novels in November, and they'll be, they'll be releasing them as th- uh, three-in-one omnibuses. And uh, let's see, as far as Kabuki Kimono... I can't talk today. The- Kabuki, Kabuki Monogatari. Yeah. Vertical's latest release in the Nisi Osinai. One of the Gatari series is slated for release later this year. The novel inspired the anime adaption as part of the Monogatari series second anime. So yeah, more Nisi Oisin stuff for those who really like the Monogatari series and some really interesting mystery novels there. Um, I wouldn't mind reading the serial serial killer detective novels. Those actually sound kind of interesting. I, I wouldn't mind picking up the Katana Gatari myself. I mean, I've always wanted to read because I I remember I was really into the anime because I bought the box sets from a con once, and I remember reading uh, how that there are differences between the anime and manga adapted. So I've always really wanted to know, and I think there might have been a little bit of a I don't know if it was a spinoff or a, a short continuation after the anime ended. So I would love to see how, you know, that was handled. I mean, essentially, I would love to see how the manga, how things, the transition to anime changed, maybe how the original manga, uh, that manga, light novel was. So I would definitely read Katana Katari. I was going to say, I've I've heard good things about that series in particular. And that's, even if I don't really care for Nisi Oisin's work, or I'm, I'm not as interested, I wouldn't mind giving Katana Katari a chance. 
I really just need to read more light novels in general. Like uh, Sid and I were talking about, um, we talked a lot about like a lot of the boogie pop phantom news coming out. What with like, um, what was it? Yen press? Was it Yen press? No, I think it was, uh, um, I forget who's coming out with those already. Um, but those novels are getting released. Oh, yeah, Seven Seas. I think Seven Seas is coming out with those. Um, Seven Seas is coming out with those, and then the new Boogie Pop Phantom anime coming out. Like, it makes me kind of actually want to check those out. Like, again, I just need to read more light novels in general. You know, no, s- something something without pictures. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're going to move on f- to some Yen Press licenses, and um, some of these are real doozies. Um, so uh, Yen Press has licensed a few series. Um the first of which uh, comes from writer uh, Dachima Inka and illustrator uh, Pochi Ida, uh, entitled, Do You Like Your Mom? Her normal attack is two attacks at full power. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so that's a that's a real whammy of a title, because, like, th- that first part of the title, like, kind of catches me off guard, and then the second part of that just catches me even more off guard, because it's like, you think it's about one thing, that it's like, Okay, what is what does that other title have to what does that other part of the title have to do with the rest of this? Now I'm suddenly kind of intrigued. Am I am I am yeah. I good? Am I going to end up reading this this uh, this novel manga whatever the whatever the hell it is uh, about about a guy who probably likes his mom just to see what the title's all about? I don't know, maybe because I'm just crazy like that. And I mean, it does, the the synopsis doesn't help clear things up at all. <laughs> Mas- Masato thought he was a part of a random survey, but when he gets involved in a secret government scheme, he winds up trapped in the game world. Even more surprising, his mom's there too. I, what am I supposed to expect from this? <laughs> They've got me. Okay, well, they succeeded. <laughs> I want to read this. <laughs> there, there. I, I said it for everyone to, to hear me. I, they succeeded. I want to read what this is about now. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna end up reading a thing about a guy who likes his mom. This is where my life is now. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You just keep being you, Japan. You just keep it up. <laughs> uh, Yen Press is aiming to release the first volume of this in the winter. So there's that. Um, okay, it's a light novel, it looks like. And it's sold quite a bit. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that premise, has, that title had a lot to do with it. <laughs> Probably. Um, so let's see. What else do we got here? So uh looks like they've also licensed uh, Chihochan no Suki. Suga, Sugakuru, Sugakuru. I can't pronounce things Su- for shit. Sugakuru, um, Suga, Sugakuru. I- I- interspecies reviewers. That sounds hot. Uh, and Chojin <laughs> Koku Setai Tachiwa Isekai Demo. Why can't they write this stuff in English? Um, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm really uh, bombing. Ch- okay, so chose <laughs> to. Okay, look, look, I, I wanted to give this a shot. Chojin Koseki Soku. Ah, and then now it's a tongue Google twister, crashed. ain't it? <laughs> and Google just, I think, cry. My Chrome doesn't like anime. Yeah, my Chrome doesn't like Anime News Network today, so it keeps crashing. <laughs> so I guess it doesn't want me to read it. You're on your own, bro. Okay, so uh, Hakume and Mikochi apparently, I I totally forgot about this. Uh, was an anime that was from the winter uh, 2018 season. It was on High Dive, licensed by uh, Sentai. So um, the manga for that's coming out. 
as well as again uh okay here we go here's here are the english titles uh chio's school road which is about a high school girl who apparently making just making it to school is a life journey all in its own whether it's construction sites biker gangs or the sudden call of nature obstacles great and small stand in the path of our titular hero which this honestly sounds really mundanely amazing and i love shit like this i might actually check this out it, it sounds, you know what? It just sounds like it sounds like a regular show episode, but <laughs> as a manga. <laughs> and and you know what? I like shit. Like I mean, I just spent the over the weekend. I just kind of you know turned off anime for a bit, and I just been watching Western tunes. And I marathon Gumball, and this shit sounds like something that would happen in Gumball. <laughs> so, I think this was an episode of Gumball. I'm pretty sure this was. <laughs> Yeah, it it has this like I'm sure it it has a manga it has a manga anime flair to it that'll you know that's uniquely to the manga medium, but it sounds like something regular show or gumball would do <laughs> for an episode just stretched into a series. So, and like you said, mundanely awesome, <laughs> and I I kind of want to check this out myself. I think it might even have an anime in the works. Uh, yeah, it looks like there's an anime for it coming out in July, so that'll be interesting. Okay, I'm sure there'll be people who probably like that series but i guess it's all gonna depend on like its comedy but i don't know i think it sounds promising i check it out um and then let's see like i said we have interspecies reviewers which uh reading the synopsis um it looks like it looks like it takes place in like the, the red light district uh and it's filled with a bunch of hot monster girls and i'm pretty sure they're 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 all ready to bone and all kinds of stuff, which, you know, I mean, if you're into that, I am i don't judge you. I really don't, because I know Monster Girls are a, apparently a pretty popular thing over here. I know Monster Musume does really well over here, uh, does well enough to have, like, that other author's works be published, like, online and everything in English. And apparently this, this series comes from a person who drew 18-plus comics on uh, on Pixiv, so again, I'm, I'm sure we know what to expect here. Um, okay, here we go. So the last thing that I couldn't pronounce for shit, superhuman high schoolers are in another world, but seem to be living in comfort. So I guess that that sounds, again, another isekai thing. Um, let's see, seven extraordinary, seven extraordinary high school students caught in an airplane accident wake up in a medieval fantasy world where magic and beast men exist, but they don't panic. Instead, they build a nuclear plant in a world without electricity, control the economy of a large city, and declare war on the evil nobles. So they just, like, create their own society, I guess, which, that was a really fast turnaround, I guess. I, apparently, in this case, Rome was built in a day. Um <laughs> And it looks like uh, Yen Press will be releasing the first volume of this in October. Yeah, I guess as far as Isekai goes, that's unique. <laughs> I guess it, it really is down to execution. I, I'll give Yen Press this. A lot of these actually do legitimately sound interesting. Yeah, I, I, I want to check out Chichon at least. I mean, especially the anime. I mean, with the, and I feel like that's good timing for it. Probably it is based around the fact that the anime is coming. That they got, they picked it up. So I could see the, I could see people picking up the anime, and if it's gonna, if it's July, it'll most likely be a core, and it probably won't cover everything. And then, you know, so like, oh well, now the anime's over, and I kind of enjoyed that. Well, here's your buddy Yen Press, and guess what I have? <laughs> <laughs> so it's actually that's actually a really good strategy, <laughs> really. But I guess just to move on to some Viz licenses, again, uh, Viz also announced some stuff at Anime Boston. And one of them I'm very excited for, and we might as well just get this out of the way. Um, so 
Bomber, do you remember that Dragon Ball spinoff manga about the kid who's really into Dragon Ball and died in an accident and then he got reincarnated as Yamcha and basically like uh, basically used his knowledge to like rewrite the entire Dragon Ball story? Have you heard of this? Yeah, I've heard of it, yes. <laughs> yep, so it looks like Viz, Viz picked it up for an English release, so that's amazing, and I'm buying it day one. <laughs> I, I ha- I've i heard of it, but I've never read it, but with the way you just sold it, I, I think I need to. And, I mean, before we started the show, I talked about how I'm kind of back into Dragon Ball again, so this is perfect. <laughs> like, I'm, I don't know if this is like a spoiler or not, but like, I'm pretty sure at some point, like, this kid gets to the point where he is like actually facing off against Cell. <laughs> and I and I kind of want to see how he gets to that point. Um, I think it's a really short series too. I think it ran for like what was it like four or five chapters or something. It was it was a pretty short spinoff little thing. Yeah, I think it's like a vol- I and mean, actually the guy that drew it, Dragon Lee Garo, he's um on Twitter and he posts some. Um, he posts a lot of like artwork from Dragon Ball and like different dramas and stuff. So. Or I shouldn't say he. I don't know, but yeah, I they they their their art is really good. Yeah, it, it looks very close to Toriyama style, which I I really appreciate. But yeah, Dragon Ball. That time I got reincarnated as Yamcha. A uh, single volume will be coming out this fall. And again, I man, I want to buy it and read it so bad. <laughs> I I kind of can't believe they picked this up, but at the same time, like. I'm sure Viz and, like, other people at, like, Funimation were very, made very aware that people probably wanted this, so I guess it's not too much of a surprise. I'm just really surprised Sorachi didn't do this. <laughs> maybe it's, maybe it's secretly written by Sorachi, we just don't know it. <laughs> well, maybe it is, I, I just, I could picture him just doing that, maybe after, maybe, I, I, I or, or even better, I could just imagine Sorachi just seeing this manga at the bookstore and be like, fuck, that was my plan after getting <laughs> <laughs> now I gotta actually. Now I gotta actually think of another series. Guess I'll keep Gintama going. <laughs> I was I was about. I was ready to end it. I had this great Yamcha idea, and then this guy takes it. So I guess I gotta write more Gintama. Fuck. God. God damn it. <laughs> I hate Gintama. <laughs> <laughs> I, it would. It would totally explain why Gintama's still going. <laughs> Because <laughs> I can imagine him just, just, just sitting there writing. He's like, Silver Soul Arc's almost done. Silver Soul Arc's almost done. Silver Soul Arc's almost done. Ah, yes. Then I can write the Yamcha story that I've always wanted to write. <laughs> and then this guy does it. I got, I'm, going to, I'm going to torture everybody, especially that Gintama translator, by keeping the shit going. <laughs> <laughs> That's, uh, God damn it! Now I gotta, now I gotta write another twenty chapters before the ending. <laughs> I, I, I didn't even. I was just going to end it with everybody being killed. But now I have to think of something. Mm, Dragon Lee Garo, you are on my shit. <laughs> <You are> on- <laughs> <laughs> but no, this is. I, I might have to pick this up myself. Like I was aware of it, but I didn't really. I mean, I was basically kind of a. I kind of sealed myself off from Dragon Ball, but rewatching the original series has got me, got me into it. I just hope by the time it comes out, I'm still into Dragon Ball. <laughs> still, so. Oh man! So uh, uh, that'll 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 be out this fall. Um, along with that, we have um, Blue Spring Ride coming this fall. 
you know, about a girl who thought that all boys were loud and obnoxious until she met she she met this one guy in junior high. And as soon as she realized that she really liked this guy, he's already moved away because of family issues. Because because all the all high school stories are like this. Well, not all of them, but some. Um, and now in high school, he has reappeared. Is he the same boy that she fell in love with? I don't know. Um, it sounds like a cute story. You know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind checking it out. It looks like uh, looks like it's about thirteen volumes. And uh, yep. Uh, I don't think Viz has a release date for that just yet, but um, they did license it, so uh, that'll be that'll be coming out at some point. And then we have Makoto Yotsuba's Record of Grand Crest War coming out this fall. Um, I think did this? Oh yeah, this this did have an anime in January. I get a lot lot of January anime manga coming out here pretty soon. I feel like that's probably the thing nowadays, where it's like if something's about to get an anime or recently had an anime that you know especially since like um distribution is less of a pain with internet so it's just really worrying about you know translating it but yeah i feel like now it's it's easier to just license stuff even if the anime is not out or just started it's easier to end just license it if if the anime becomes a hit then you already have the manga ready pretty much but if it doesn't if it doesn't then it's like well hey you know you tried (laughs) exactly yeah all right, so let's see. The next thing Viz licensed is uh, actually something from Sutomu Nihei called um, Abara, which they will be releasing in a complete deluxe edition this coming winter. Um, which, again, if you don't know who Sutomu Nihei is, uh, he's essentially the creator of things such as Knights of Sidonia, Blame, um, Apozmiz, which I think is currently running on Crunchyroll through um, uh, through Kodansha. It's a simul pub. Um, so if you've read a lot of Nihei's works... Um, you probably know what to expect. Um, and then let's see, uh, this will also be releasing Ron and the Grey World by Aki, uh, Irie, uh, about a little girl who can't wait to grow up and become a sorceress like her mother. So with the help of a magical pair of sneakers, apparently, cause this is, this is Hammerman now for some reason, um... <laughs> can't believe I just fucking referenced that on this show. Um, she transforms into an adult and sets off uh, her father and her older brother, Jin, to try to keep her safe at home. But Ron is determined to advance her powers and have adventures of her own, which, you know, this, this, sound, this sounds pretty neat and out there. I, 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 I could get into it. Yeah, I, I feel like I heard a lot about this back when it was running, and it seemed to be pretty popular, but... I'm kind of surprised it got no anime or anything. Hmm. And uh, that'll be getting a release this fall as well. Uh, but the thing I am the most excited for is uh, a manga from France, of all places, a comic from France uh, called Radiant uh, from Tony Valente, uh, which will be coming also this fall. And uh, and is also worth noting because uh, this series will actually be getting an anime adaptation uh, this October. So... I'm I'm really excited to see Viz dive into like other comics from other countries. I think I think this is the start of something really interesting. Hmm. Yeah, and I'm looking at reading it in Asa. Well, I've never heard of that publishing company, but yeah, it's interesting. It's being published in Japan too. So I mean, clearly, if they're making an anime of it, it's it's cl- it's clearly it's clearly got either some kind of following or a potential for a really huge one. Yeah, I mean, it, it looks interesting. I mean, it definitely, from what I'm looking at with the artwork and everything, you could tell this guy's very inspired by, like, shonen manga. Mm-hmm. Like, like if you told me this ran in, like, I don't know, Shonen Jump, Square, Crown, whatever you call it, um, I, I would believe you. 
Like, this totally looks like something that runs a jump. Yeah, when I saw some of the trailers for the anime, I'm like, yeah, if you told me that this was a Japanese production, I would believe you. I would think it's a Japanese production until somebody tells me it told me otherwise. So, and I'm reading the the premise, and it does sound like a lot of fun. I mean, nothing novel, but that's, you know, shonen manga, eh, you can get some unique things from it. But a lot of times, shonen manga, I feel like it's just, it's fun. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so I would check this out. I'm definitely interested in seeing how that turns out. Um, but let's see. We are going to move on to uh, to a Jade Novel Club license, which uh, they have licensed Mario Kata's autobiography uh, called From Truant to Anime Screenwriter, My Path to Anohana and the Anthem of the Heart. And a free preview of this is available on the Jade Novel Club website, and the ebook is uh, slated for an early May release. So... You know, if you're into Okada and her, you know, anything she's directed, um, this is something you'll definitely want to pick up. And then uh, let's see here. We're going to move on to some Dark Horse stuff. Um, I guess I will start off with this first one that I'm kind of surprised they picked up. Um, so you remember Aramanga Sensei, right? Bomber, did, did you see anything about that series? Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> For a series I never watched, I've seen so much Vertol for it. <laughs> Well, good good news, Bomber, because apparently Dark Horse has picked up the manga for it. Um, or I should say, uh, uh, no, actually, yeah, it, it is the manga. It's it's the manga adaptation of the original Light novels. And uh, yeah, it looks like uh, Dark Horse confirmed with uh, Crunchyroll in particular uh, that the first volume is slated to come out this September 26th. It will, it will also include a bonus short story il- illustration gallery and color opening page so they're really going all out for this release i guess well i mean more power to them (laughs) (laughs) i i literally only know about the series through how much people hate it (laughs) i i know there are people out there like such as giga who like unironically really like the series because of how trashy it is like it's a it's one of those like emoto uh, things where it's like, oh, my sister's kind of cute. Oh no, oh no, I I think I like my sister. One of those kind of things. So uh, okay. you know, if you like really trashy stuff, there you go. But they 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 licensed it, and it's coming out in English. Um, and uh, let's see, as far as Dark Horse goes, I guess they also licensed the um, I guess an, a manga adaptation of the second Danganronpa game, uh, Danganronpa Two: Ultimate Luck and Hope and Despair. They're releasing the first volume of this uh, in bookstores on September 5th and online on September 18th. So if you're really into Danganronpa, you you definitely want to go and check that out. And now I guess we'll move on to uh, some licensing news from Udon, which uh, apparently will be releasing um, the otherworldly Izakaya Nobu manga series, written by Natsuya Semikawa and illustrated by Virginia Nitohe. And... uh, you know, again, as some of you may know, uh, this I think this also had an anime on Crunchyroll uh, during the winter season. If not the winter season, I think the the season before it. Um, I don't remember for sure. And uh, it looks like Izakaya Nobu Volume 1 will be in stores this September 2018, with uh, subsequent volumes of the series being published every two months. So a nice consistent schedule there, I'd say. You know, for those of you who really like the anime for that, uh, there you go. Um, I've I've heard I've heard interesting things about it. It's a nice little like atmospheric kind of show, so I wouldn't mind I wouldn't mind checking it out. 
Um, but uh, Bomber, I think you'll be interested in this last piece of licensing news because uh, I know an anime that you have been looking forward to this season. Hinamatsuri has been licensed by One Piece Books. Um, I don't think they're a new publisher, but I've I've never I've never heard of them until now. So this is kind of interesting. I'd, I'd be interested in seeing what their um, what the quality of their work is like. But I'm and that's not to say oh I'm sure it's bad. I'm like I'm I'm just interested in seeing what their manga releases are like because I've never read anything from them, obviously. So do you want to talk about the premise of that a little bit? Because I know you've been looking forward to the anime of this. Okay, so it's basically, if I had to just sum it up, really, it's Yakuza Gangster gets stuck taking care of, um, I'm not sure if he's an alien or just a girl with psychic powers, but either way, it's he gets ends up being stuck with her and their interactions. I mean, it kind of, it, I hate comparing things to Gintama like that, but it kind of has that same kind of, where it goes back and forth between being really kind of heartwarming and just being downright hilarious. So yeah, it looks like the uh, the first volume of Hiramatsuri will be released on September 18th, as well as the first volume of I Hear the Sunspot Limit uh, coming this November 20th, which is apparently a sequel series to um, I Hear the Sunspot and I Hear the Sunspot Theory of Happiness, um, which looks like to be sort of a sort of a nice little romance thing about. Uh, about a college student who has hearing loss and his relationship with uh, with a cheerful person named uh, Taichi. So, yeah, it looks like a nice little uh, atmospheric romance kind of thing. And it looks like along with these two, uh, One Piece Books has licensed the reprise of the Spear Hero, which is apparently a spinoff of the Rising of the Shield Hero, uh, which will be released this October 16th. And it uh, looks like it's a light novel series that will be getting an anime uh, sometime this year, I think. Um, it looks like Crunchyroll is going to be streaming it, so there's that. Um, some 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 nice little licenses overall. I, I think some of the licensing news. I think this time around, uh, there's a lot of really interesting titles coming out. Um, some of them I'm I'm definitely looking forward to. I definitely again I'm I'm getting that Yamcha reincarnation spinoff thing like day one, and then I mean I'll probably check out the Hinamatsuri anime pretty soon here actually, but I wouldn't mind checking out the manga. I didn't expect it to be licensed. That I thought that was a nice surprise. But uh, we have two more pieces of news here, and they're both live-action movie news. Um, so in the newest issue of Weekly Shonen Jump, it has been announced that Naoshi Komi's Nisekoi manga will be getting a live-action film adaptation that will be coming out in December. Not much other information has been revealed other than it's getting a live-action movie, but um, I'm sure it'll probably be cute. Bomber, did you ever read Nisekoi at all? I didn't. Romance is my genre. F- so, fair enough. No. Um, I got suckered into Nisekoi uh, because I, I actually read I I read it since um, I read it since chapter seven. So I read it through most of its run, and I only read it through most of its run mostly because because I don't know how much you know about the story, but it essentially because because the main character comes from a yakuza family, and uh, and his like love interest also comes from like an american like mafia family so like shenanigans happen and it turns out like both of these groups are like almost at war with each other and so in order to settle down both sides uh both sides of the tension here both of both these kids basically have to uh pretend they're in a relationship to calm everybody down so i was kind of hoping like the series would you know make use of its yakuza elements a bit more but 
it mostly ends up being just like a sort of straightforward kind of nice rom-com kind of thing, which I didn't think it was bad, but like I got really, really burnt out on it kind of near the end during like its last, I want to say during like the last like year of its run, I got kind of burnt out on it because like they do a lot of like, there's a lot of padding and there's a lot of like, I don't want to say filler because that's not really the right word, but it, it takes a long time to get to the point, honestly. Um, oh, okay. It, I think it ran for like over 200 chapters. Uh, but it was really, it was a really popular in hit and jump too. I know a lot of people really liked it. It was received pretty well. But uh, along with Nisekoi, it looks like Kingdom, which we talked about earlier, is also getting a live action movie. And looks like uh, the creator of the, uh, of the live action movie, or I think the manga, I'm not sure, uh, teases unprecedented budget, grand cast, and like uh, looks like we're supposed to be expecting some pretty big things from this Kingdom live action movie, um, which hopefully those teases don't end up disappointing people. Um, I hope the movie lives up to that hype. I, I mean, I hope so, too, because like I can't imagine trying to I, as somebody who's read a lot of Kingdom. I mean, I'm still really far behind and it's not going to help that it's still going. <laughs> but um yeah, somebody's Red Kingdom, I I can't imagine, I can't fathom how much you'd have to do to make a live action movie of that work. Like yeah. there's there's it's basically f- full scale war the series in China. <laughs> I mean, that's what the series is. So, in order for that to work, they would need like a crazy budget. <laughs> I do feel like, you know, Kingdom is pretty huge in Japan right now, so I feel like they're going to do ju- do it justice. But anyway, yeah, so those are some neat live-action adaptations to look forward to, I guess. Um, but I think that's going to be about it for our news. Bomber, I think uh, we should move on to the discussion topic that you weren't a part of. <laughs> well, okay, well, uh, you can just call me. I'm going to go, you know, go get some chicken wings or something. I don't know. I'll call you when it's time to end the show. Okay. All right, so I guess we should just talk about the thing we're going to talk about. Um, but first, uh, welcome back, Maxi, to Manga Mavericks. Thank you for having me back. And after all the things I did before, I can't believe you forgave me. <laughs> I I know, right? Um, uh, appa- apparently, I what's the lore of Manga Mavericks? I killed you, you killed me, something like that. I don't know. Uh, I think V-Lord <laughs> killed us both, which... I think so. I mean, I must have done some sort of terrible crime to to him and Sid where they, like, hunted me down and assassinated me. But it's fine, because my, uh... I was going to be really clever there and, um... say the name of the abilities in Takamagahara, and I've forgotten (laughs) what they're called. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. Maybe they were just afraid you had, like, more manga than them or whatever, because I know V-Lord and Sid have quite the collection... Well, I've I've been clever. Unlike them, displaying it all willy nilly everywhere. Uh, I've kept mine hidden away on uh, digital platforms where they don't technically belong to me because you pay for a license. Mm, pretty much. Um, man, you, how how much do you have on Comicsology and Bookwalker? Like, you have like you have a shit ton of stuff at this point, don't you? Okay, so yeah, uh, Western Comics on Comicsology. Uh, I have 1,054, two of which are what we're talking about today. Uh, that includes volumes and single issues, so the number is a little bit padded. On ebook Japan, which is where I get all of my uh, Shonen Sunday stuff to talk with Bomber about, I have exactly 170 books. Wow. And on Bookwalker, 
the app's awful and won't load. So let's just say, I don't know, like 80. Hmm. Yeah, man. I, I, I thought my collection was pretty huge, but yeah, I, I can't compete with you guys at all. <laughs> I think the last time I counted, like as far as physical books go, I think I have at least like, oh God, what was it like? 300, 400? <laughs> Something like that. I, I, it's in the hundreds. I can guarantee that. It, it's still a lot. I mean, it, it, yeah. I guess it's nothing to shake a stick at. But enough of waving our collections around, um, like, like the nerds we are. Um, so Maxie, I'm really excited to record with you today because I really enjoy getting to talk about canceled jump comics with you because I don't think we've done that since we talked about Hi-Fi Cluster. Like, God, two years ago at this point. <laughs> I, I think it might have been longer, if we're being honest. Uh, but was that the first thing we ever recorded together? Yeah, it was. Because I had that recorded for another podcast I used to do at the time. And then that podcast pretty much stopped existing. So I, I just had this episode on my computer for like a year or whatever, or close to it. And then when Manga Maverick started around and... I think it was around the time... I re-listened to the episode last night, actually. Uh, just because I hadn't listened to it in a while. And it was around the time we we talked about Toriko and I accidentally deleted some of that Toriko pocket, which I still feel really terrible for. And we are gonna <laughs> we are gonna re-record that episode at some point. I just don't know when. Maybe this year. I don't know. Um, I'd like to anyway. Um, and then I pretty much I was pretty much like, oh, I still have this thing with Maxi. Maybe people will like to listen to this. I'm sure people listen to that episode, but I don't know if they liked it or not. I don't really care because I really liked I really liked recording that episode. Um, cause it was, it was interesting for me cause I had never read Hi-Fi Cluster up to that point. I had just kind of seen it around. So it was really interesting to actually read it for the first time and, um, see how the story kind of went from there. Uh, but man, like I kind of cringe at myself in that episode though. Cause like, I feel like, I feel like because it was the first time I ha- I like, I had a chance to talk to you that I think I like, I think I subconsciously just started throwing around like, Hey, this guy knows about jump. I'm going to show him how much I know too. Look at me. I'm so cool. <laughs> Thing, thing is, I always, I always worry if I talk to people that I have to show that I know a lot about jump. Which, don't don't get me wrong, listeners at home, I can like rattle off trivia off the top of my head that you don't need to know. But it's also <laughs> it's really sort of awful to do all the time. Just feel, like, haha, look at what I know. I, I, don't, I know. It takes it takes me about a week to read the magazine. Like nowadays, I'm not really as on it as I as I used to be back in the olden days. I've I've become withered and decayed. And it's also because I I keep trying to read all these other magazines, but enough of that. Mm, yeah. So, so some sometimes I was when I was re-listening to the episode, I was like, I kind of cringed at some points, but there were also points where I was like, man, this was a really good conversation. I hope I hope we can like do more stuff like this again because I I eventually want to cover all the completed canceled jump manga that Viz has brought over, and I say completed, but but that that's also kind of hard because like. Some of them are completed in, in the sense of, you know, if you have Viz's old Shonen Jump issues, um, if you happen to have those on you, then you can read them. But if you don't, you're kind of shit out of luck. They've run eight so far of these series. I think half and maybe five of them have all actually been collected in some form. There's here's the Barrage to Kamigahara, School Judgment, Cross Manage. Okay, so half of them, I think. Mm. Okay, so that's that's not a bad number, but unfortunately, there are still some that you would have to have a complete run. Uh, that you'd have to have the complete magazine run to be able to actually read legally, which is a shame. 
which was the case for Hi-Fi Cluster, but uh, I guess as far as this series goes, what we're going to be talking about, you can actually buy both volumes of Takamakahara on uh, on Viz. Uh, that's that's how I read them anyway, which is good because um, I think as far as my, subscri- my subscription, The Jump, I didn't get a subscription until like 2013 or so. So what was it? I think I have the issue with the last chapter because at the time I was reading it scanned because I didn't know any better back then. Um, and I, I, I think the scans were late on the first chapter at the time. So the only way for me to be able to finish Takamakahara was to buy that issue with the last chapter. And then later on, you know, I would find out, oh, they actually released this digitally. That's cool. They're definitely never going to do a print release of it. But, you know, you know, we take what we can get. Yeah, I mean, nowadays, digital's like synonymous enough with how manga gets released in English now that it's. It's not the end of the world to be stuck with it digital only. Pretty much. Um, but yeah, so I guess we could just kind of get right into it. Um, we are going to be talking about Takama Gahara by Juzo Kawai, uh, which did get a release in Viz's Weekly Shonen Jump. And uh, let's see here. So Takama Gahara ran from July 9th to November 5th, 2012. And it ran for about 17 chapters. So yeah. Uh, if you couldn't tell, it definitely got canned. And so Takamagahara is essentially about this high schooler who um, he comes from a family of fighters. And he's basically the only non-fighter in the family because all he wants to do is just draw manga and take over Weekly Shonen Jump. Which, considering the fact that this series was canceled, just makes that all the more ironic. Um <laughs> Oh, that's that's really sad in a way. Um, but yeah, like I think his uh, his old his eldest brother is like the world's best like MMA fighter, and I think near the end of the series he he becomes like the the strongest fighter in the world or some shit. I don't remember. And then like his youngest brother um, is a third grader who can beat up like all the really tough like junior high kids and stuff, which is which is pretty great. Yeah, like he's literally taken over his school. <laughs> that's kind of cute um but you know yeah like i said he's 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 the only non-fighter in the family he just wants to draw manga so he has this whole thing where like you know he essentially uh when it comes down to him you know having to defend himself from a bunch of bullies you know he doesn't want to use his right hand to hit anybody because he 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 wants to make sure he uses it for manga he doesn't want to he doesn't want to break his arm he has to he has to draw with that hand but he ends up gaining these powers which we come to find out are called Kamiwaza, um, which th- there's a whole mythology to to this series that I honestly kind of goes over my head uh, that kind of explains, you know, why they're called that. But, you know, like the series essentially, it, it leads up to uh, our main character, who I totally forget his name. Um, uh, Yamato uh, Yamada. Yeah, yeah. Yamato Yamada, who um, he he's essentially recruited to go to go to a school called Takamakahara and basically attend with these other two students to basically learn how to use his powers. Like at first, it seems like he gets recruited to kind of learn how to use his powers, but also, uh, but to also uh, what was it? Basically, help unify the uh, one of the many school buildings because the teacher doesn't feel like dealing with it or whatever. It kind of it kind of goes back and forth with its uh, with its narrative a bit because sometimes the narrative the narrative will focus on one thing and just kind of go to another. It I don't know. I felt like it was a little unfocused in some parts, uh, personally. 
I don't know how you feel, Maxi. Uh, I'm actually probably a, a little more positive than that, but I I do feel like uh, I do feel like Kawhi um kind of jumps between different ideas very sort of erratically, trying to get everything out before the series ends. Yeah, which is like that. Th- that was something we kind of had to deal with with High Fi Cluster too, where it's like you know this person clearly wants to give the series time to kind of breathe and let you get to know the characters but then it's like you know we're getting canceled soon so you should probably uh, wrap up your story okay here's all the cool stuff that i would have gotten to done if i had more time to uh let things flesh out you know a bit but nope unfortunately that's just not the case um so i guess that's 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 essentially the plot or at least is uh, as as far as far as I can remember, which is a shame because like I have a, a like I I did a Twitter thread on this, but like you know as I was reading it was like you know I didn't really have much to I don't I, I this is probably a bad thing to say because it's like you know wh- why do a podcast about something but like I feel like I don't have like a ton to say about Takama Gahara I feel like I feel the same way about Takama Gahara that I felt about Hi Fi Cluster where it's like oh this series has some neat ideas but it doesn't have nearly enough time to really like explore or show them off, unfortunately. And it just kind of leads to a very underwhelming, unsatisfying, at least a story as far as the story goes anyway. Yeah. I don't think that's entirely unfair. I'd say the the things that really help it and kind of give me a lot of things to think about is, I mean, I said before that the stuff surrounding the existence of the series, uh, but also like uh, where it, where it lifts the ideas from uh, for one part, uh, for example, uh, Takuma Gahara is uh, quite literally the uh, the plane of high heaven in a uh, in Japanese mythology. Like it's it's a real real it's a real part of a uh, Japanese spirituality, as is the uh, the name given to uh, Yamato's uh, special ability, which is the um, Amano Ukihashi, the uh, the floating bridge of heaven. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that so like that sort of stuff's really interesting to kind of go into and seeing. So, oh, he's he's fought through the things that are in the series, even if he's not giving them time to actually mean anything. Uh, And also, the arts. When I when I read this like five years ago or not the first time, like I, I thought the art was kind of crap. But every time I come back to it, it's it's surprisingly great. Like it's. It uses almost no screen tones whatsoever throughout its entire run. It is like truly just like a black and white manga. And I think that kind of, it lends itself well to when it's doing like crazy martial arts action and stuff. It's just got a sort of nice scrappy feeling to it. Yeah, I, I'm very mixed about the art because when I was going through the first chapter, like there are three double page spreads within the first chapter, two of which I don't think really need to be spreads. Um, cause I think the first spread is just a, basically showing off all the brothers, um, and, uh, Yamato in the middle as kind of like a reveal of like, cause you know, before then, you know, we were kind of, uh, introduced to the brothers and all the crazy stuff that they're able to do as far as combat, as far as their combat abilities go. And then there's like this big spread that reveals like, oh, Yamato is a, is a manga artist. And, you know, they're all surprised by that. And it's just like stuff like that really makes me wonder like did this really need to be a spread like i guess you want to like kind of show off all the brothers and it's kind of you know I, I guess that's kind of interesting you know show them all in one place but it's like i don't know just just like decisions like that that i don't know 
I personally don't know if they really, f- if I really felt like they were necessary. But I'm also not an artist, yeah. so well, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I I will agree with you. The double page spreads are they're really weird. They do stick out in how frequent they are. Because like in a in a first chapter, you expect a bunch because they're filling out fifty pages. But then as it goes on, like week on week, like most chapters will have at least one double page spread, and it won't necessarily be needed. And yeah. It's, it it is this really odd thing. Some of them are are really cool, but then yeah, you will just get ones where it's literally just something that would have normally been a smaller panel on a page, and he's just kind of stretched out and blown it up. Or even like maybe a one page spread, like just a, just a giant page, maybe would have sufficed possibly. Like th- there's a there's a whole spread of um around the point in the first chapter where. Uh, uh Yamada and um and his and his eldest brother you know are kind of talking to each other and uh you know his eldest brother is like oh well if you're not going to fight then you better take over the manga world or whatever and they kind of fist bump and it's kind of cute but it's like does that really need a spread i mean it's a, it's a nice little sincere moment but it's like you could have maybe maybe like used one page for that honestly <laughs> um but that I don't maybe maybe that's a nitpick on my part. I'm not sure. Well, I um, think especially because the whole manga plot, whilst it does lead to like, I don't know it, it's a decent enough character motivation. It leads to some decent little comedy moments. But to give a whole double page spread to the eldest brother Musashi, just being like, "Yeah, I, you do what you want. I believe in you. You know, we're brothers." And then the plot is dropped almost immediately, <laughs> and you're just like, <laughs> "Well, this this was a waste of everybody's time." <laughs> Um, but, but the very last double page spread in the first chapter is really cool, because it, it's basically, uh, Yamato fighting against the, uh, the, the giant Yankee guy who, you know, he, he, he ends up becoming his follower, which is, which is kind of funny. Um, you know, I, I really, I really like that, uh, spread because it, it's, it really, it really just does a great job of just showing the impact of, of Yamato's punch. Like, it really, it, like... These are the kind of things, or I guess the kinds of moments I would expect to be given double-page spreads. Yeah, well, to me, the the action's completely amazing. Like, you get uh, the encounter with the first villain, the uh, the, the businessman bully with the, the blades. It's a really good way of showing off that, like, uh, Jizakuai can just do just do in, insane physicality. Like, there's a, a, a double-page spread that, again, probably wasted, but just shows, like, ripples going across Blade's face before he, like, gets flung into a building. And it's just... It looks like the sort of thing you'd see in a way more accomplished action series, like like Baki or something. Yeah, I I really couldn't help but feel like Kawhi is probably a fan of Baki because it just... Like, the, the, the businessman bully guy whatever his name was i don't remember he there's so many expressions he makes that like just belong in baki the grappler like 100 percent. and i think i tweeted about this too what really surprised me was that um it's actually not even a double page spread it's weird or maybe or maybe it's like maybe i'm not sure because i guess like when i was going through it on my uh, on my phone here reading on my phone um at least as far as it's um presented on the mobile app like it's actually not even a spread. Like, it's it's literally just a page of Yamato's fist, like, zooming by. And then on the next page is when you see the hit actually make contact with his face, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, that you just kind of have this page to kind of, like, take in the speed of the punch. And then literally when you turn the page, it's like, oh, this is the impact of the punch, which I think just makes it even funnier. I think, like, which is great. Like, the, the it's... 
it's exciting and goofy and interesting all at the same time, and it does things like that. And like, uh, like the the uh, the, the second encounter with another uh, sort of heavenly power wielder is in the hospital with uh, this uh, relative of the owner of the hospital who sucks up people's blood to bulk himself up. And like it's it's really intimidating. It it looks really cool as the power goes, like to turn into this sort of giant, hulking, freakish mass of muscle that like reminds me of of like a, a titan or something. And like he he fills up the panels, he fills up the hallways and everything. Like it, it's a really good sense of scale. And then he's taken out by this this uppercut that both looks cool but is also so ridiculously goofy in how it plays out. Like it's almost like a sort of a spiral uppercut that ends with the guy's head in the ceiling and his mouth just drooped down, that it's like, it it comes off, <laughs> you can't tell whether it's trying to be cool or whether it's just trying to be really sort of funny and stupid. Yeah, I don't know. It's, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so mixed on Takama Kahara just overall in that, like, there are some really cool moments in there and, you know, they're, like, some of the action is really nice and even really comedic, but, like, God, I feel like overall it's just, I don't know, like I, like there there are very few aspects about the series that make it very memorable for me. Like it's probably one of the, to me, it's probably one of the more forgettable series I've ever read in my, I guess in my time reading comics, honestly, which I, which I don't even, I don't even want to say because it sounds really harsh, but like, I don't know. Cause like, like even, even when I read this while it was running weekly, um, I could help but feel like, yeah, some of this is kind of cool, but it's like, it's it's just not, it's just not really doing anything for me. I, I don't think it left a huge impact on me till I went back to read it like a, a second or third time where it like it endeared itself enough to me. But at the same time, I'm aware that I'm I'm probably like more and more positive as time goes on because I'm really scared of its letterer beating me up for saying anything nasty about <laughs> it. Uh, yeah, we sh- yeah I forgot to mention uh, Annalise Chrisman, uh, who we've had on the show before, actually did uh, the lettering for this um, for this series. Which I'm I don't want to make it sound like Anna- Annalise's work is you know, like super easy or anything. Cause it's not like we, we've had her on the show to talk about the lettering she does for black clover and how hellish that could be sometimes. But I imagine um, some of the workload wasn't entirely hellish on her because, you know, if you, if you buy uh, both volumes one and two of Takamakahara on Viz uh, through, through their digital platform, um, I think probably because it didn't get a print release that it's probably not going to anytime soon that um, you could tell like they didn't really they didn't really bother to like actually because, you know, like when obviously if you buy an Avismong, you could tell that like they really go out of the way to like change the Japanese sound effects to like English sound effects, which isn't something they did uh, for the digital edition. Yeah, it, it's something they usually leave for the in a weekly magazine. They won't redo the sound effects. Then when it comes to the volumes, they redo them. Uh, and and in this, the the sound effects are a hundred percent untouched, with just smaller bits of uh, text to get across what they're going for. And um, it it does seem like that would make for an easier workload, uh, for sure. But also, I I think the actual sound effects, as as they are in the original Japanese, are really good. Like a lot of them are sort of nice and scratchy. But say uh, the the stuff for Blade, uh, like his sound effects are made out of the uh, the segmented blades that come out of his body. Which is a, a really nice touch. 
Yeah, I like that detail a lot too. Um, there's a point during that fight too. I think it's I think it's during like the final blow Yamato uh, gives him, where um, the sound effect kind of like frames that final panel. I'm not sure if that was intentional or not, but I, I really like that touch. Hmm. I, I thought it was really good. Outside of uh, these sort of nice bits of the art as well, I've got to say, uh, character-wise, I feel like it. Both something I enjoyed and something that was definitely a mistake is uh, the the characters who turn up later on, the other two power users, um, Kumaso uh, and the Pompadour gun guy. Uh, Izumo. Yeah. Like, they're really interesting characters that clearly there was a lot of things uh, Juzo Kawai was thinking of doing with them. Uh, I mean, there's a whole point with the uh, with the animal gu- uh, animal gun guy. Say his name again. Uh, Izumo. Izumo, thank you. I'm so bad at this. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the whole thing with Izumo, where he's like, towards the end of the story, he's like, I best report this uh, back to some mysterious people who you'll never get to find out about. Because oh, I know. We're doing a, we're doing a time <laughs> skip for the final chapter, which is um, just the the balls on that to be like, yeah, I'm just, I, he didn't even need to do that. He could have just left it as, oh no, he's actually just a nice guy. And you know, when it goes to that final chapter, he's clearly still in the team and working together with them. It's just this one little line that completely pulls you out and goes like, oh, there was a plan here that we're never going to know. I know. And it's even more confusing when like, and I, I think he might have made mention about this too, but um, there there is a page, you know, near the end of volume two that kind of helps, uh, I guess, kind of clear up the air as far as like uh, some of the motivations of Izumo and uh, Kumaso where you know you have uh, it's uh, where you have Izumo uh, visiting, I guess a sick friend, a sick family member. I don't know somebody who's sick, who's you know, and he mentions how he's uh, he's looking for a, a cure for this person's sickness. But we don't we don't know who this person is. But apparently that was his motivation. Um, and how uh, Kumaso, who it's 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 kind of mentioned here and there, but like he kind of has this gimmick where like. At first you think, oh, his sword talks, that's kind of funny, but then you find out, oh no, that's his ventriloquism act, which I think is a neat quirk. At the same time, I have to say, ventriloquism doesn't really work if the thing you're making talk can't mimic the action of talking. Just holding up a sword and throwing your voice just makes you look weird. <laughs> like that, that, that's such a... A bizarre thing where he he's clearly had this like this this goofy gimmick idea, but not thought about how it absolutely one hundred percent does not work. Yeah, I, I guess that's true. Um... But I, I do like how it's uh, like you're saying. It it turns out his whole thing is that he uh, he knows ventriloquism to please his master, who's like a small girl who doesn't leave the house. Yeah, and there's a little section of the omake page where uh, you can see Kumaso. Uh, holding up a teddy bear and, uh, you know, playing with the master at the house who is a little girl, you know, making a talk and everything, which I thought was really cute. But I guess while we're on the topic of the characters, um, I really feel like at the end of the day, the characters are probably the weakest part of Takamakahara. Because honestly, outside of Kumaso and Izumo, I feel like the rest of the cast isn't nearly as memorable, unfortunately. Yeah, like, as as funny as it is to kind of do the whole thing where uh, the... Uh, the the pompadour and then shames himself bald guy uh, Fukion like makes a whole thing of being oh you've beaten me I'm now gonna like be part of the Yamato Yamada Shogunate and that like as much as that's like a really nice goofy funny setup the problem then comes that 
he's not very interesting, and the rest of his uh, his goons have no personality whatsoever. Pretty much, which is a, a real misfire. And uh, the the love interest. Oh yeah, she's all right. Uh, is it Minaho? Uh, Mizuho. Mizuho. Thank you. I was I was close. I'm getting better. There we go. <laughs> Mizuho. I feel like there was some potential there that wasn't really delivered on at all. And then we get the sort of the final twist of a power that's interesting, which is uh, a yin-yang power where she can make things the opposite, starting with her own gender, which is like, that. that's interesting. That at least makes for a nice sort of playful gimmick because it's not that she's necessarily androgynous, but she looks very genderless. Mm-hmm. Uh, which are important distinctions between the two things there. So like having the switch over be with a character like her, I, I think that's... That's neat, but it's ultimately used to just make her into a damsel in distress for the final chapter. So yeah, which which is disappointing because her whole thing was like she was Yamato's uh, childhood friend, and you know she has this whole thing where like you know she constantly comes over and tries to challenge Yamato to a fight, and she wants to she wants to become stronger and all that, which you know I think could have made for a probably I think could have made for an interesting like female character. Well, I mean. Imagine if you will, Colton, for the final chapter, uh-huh. if instead of instead of Yamato turning up and beating everyone down, he used his his power, which has been revealed now at that point in the story, that his power is actually to uh to enhance the abilities of himself and others. Like he can raise someone else's defense or attack as need be as well. Mm. So imagine if instead he powered her up and she got to actually be strong for once. That would have been really sort of neat and like fulfilled a character's entire arc there. Mm. But I feel like somebody could also make the argument that oh, but it's not—it's not really her strike, so it doesn't mean anything. Uh, yeah, I guess that could be that. Although you could make a nice, sweet point about it being their—I don't know—their love for each other or something. I don't know. I'm not a fucking writer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, no. I—I I mean, um, all, all joking aside, I think that like that's a neat idea, and I think it could lead to some some cute moments and some interesting character stuff there, but. Yeah, I, I do agree that like you have this at least an idea for a, for a, for I think a I think a decent strong female character who maybe could have I think you know he could have been good, but you know by the end you know the, the series is so rushed and it's like oh we got to get all our ideas out there we got to show them what they're we we got to show them what they're not going to get and it's like okay I I guess she's a damsel in distress now nah, whatever I don't know it's just it, it's certainly not like. I don't know. I'm not as I'm not as upset about it as I sound like I am because like I wasn't very invested in her character in the first place. But like I could see people taking issue with that. But I don't know. Again, again, I we have so little time to become invested in the characters that like you know when something happens to them, you know it it doesn't really affect me much at all. Unfortunately. Well, this is the thing. Like I I like this comic way more than I should, and even I can't say that I'm like. <laughs> That head off the bat, in effect. <laughs> I know it's so hard because it's like, it's not the worst thing I've ever read, but it's like, there's so much potential there. And it's just, it's a lot of wasted potential, which just kind of hurts, honestly. What is the worst thing you've read? Oh, see, that that's a loaded question. <laughs> um, Fall into my trap. <laughs> see anything i would deem the worst i can guarantee i didn't get any farther than like a volume if even that i like things that i really think are actually bad i drop pretty quickly so it's like i so don't I'm the same, I, so it's really hard to say isn't it i know um i'd, I'd have to really reach back um yeah thanks a lot maxi um 
But yeah, no, it's not the worst thing I've read. But man, just like that that's what I hate about the series is that like there's there there at least it's not even like like I say there are neat ideas in this comic, but like there aren't there aren't even really that many of them to me. Like like I, I like the I think what drew me to this series when it first came out was oh look uh th- this series could be the vehicle for a lot of really cool neat weird powers. Um, but then I mean nowadays we have stuff like My Hero Academia for that kind of thing. Um, and even as far as like all the neat powers go, there's aren't there's not even really a lot of them honestly. Like I think the what was it? Um, the most interesting power to me by far, and I think is probably going to be um, everyone's most interested power would be Izumo's uh, ability to turn animals into guns. <laughs> just, just like I've, <laughs> I've just I've never seen something like that anywhere. Like it's that's honestly probably the best part about talking about Gahara, and it's probably going to be the most memorable thing about it. I like that so many of the powers are so specific that uh, literally you you could have a power and just not know because, for example, you may have just not tried picking up a flying squirrel in your life and turning it into a gun. Like the whole idea of these being like hidden powers in the like the sort the entire world totally holds true when they're all obscure to the point where they that some of them would be considered a stretch for a stand in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. You know. I, I know. I actually, oh god, that could. I mean, I guess that could be a stand, couldn't it? Um, I didn't even think about that. That's actually really interesting. Um, but yeah, no, it's just, yeah, I'm I'm basically caught in the middle here, where it's like, I feel like there are really cool, interesting powers, but again, we we don't even really, at least in my opinion, we don't get to see too many of them. Um, like I think Izumo's beast to gun ability, and then. I think there's a guy who could turn into a Komodo dragon. I think, I, I think, I think the animorphs are pr- like probably the most interesting power to me. Yeah, I think that's fair. It, it helps that uh, that Kwai's pretty good at drawing like lizard people. Oh yeah, like he's really good at drawing reptiles. If the Komodo dragon power and the uh, and the snake power at the very end are any indication. Like I, th- I think, um, as disappointing as the ending to the series is, um, I thought that was. That was one of the better parts about the ending is is Yamato literally fighting against a guy who can make a fist out of snakes. Like that's that that's that's like TM my shit. It it's pretty goddamn cool to be honest. And again, it ties itself in nicely to Japanese mythology because the snake dude's uh, his power is the the Yamato no Orochi, uh, just like the the hundred headed snake or whatnot. So like, just again, it, it's it's. It's way smarter than it ever actually gets to tell you, which is kind of tragic for the whole comic. Like it, it's not that it necessarily could have been good if it continued, but it's that it could have been good in the time it had if it really, I don't know, neatened itself up a little. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like, I really feel like the second volume is where it starts to pick up because not that I thought the first volume was bad, but like I just wasn't. I I don't know. Aside from a few cool moments, like I wasn't wholly interested in the first arc. Honestly, I guess if you want to call it that, being set in the real world and having the same setup for those like first two encounters really be this person has a power and they're dangerous. I best deal with them. It wasn't the most uh, thrilling thing in the world, and 
something kind of neat with the volumes is they do make a point of uh, saying with the titles of them that they are delineated between the uh, the Ashiharak, uh, I think that was it, uh, which is all the stuff set in the real world, and then the uh, the um, the I've forgotten the name uh, of the comic the, 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 the Takamakahara arc. <laughs> <laughs> the Takamagahara arc. That, that was a weird mental blank there. This way I talk faster than my brain goes. It's, it's not a good way to exist. But that's kind of neat because in a lot of ways it means you could you could even tell people skip that first volume, you don't massively need it and just hop into the second one for a nice sort of short series about fighting in a strange massive school. Yeah, because I feel like this could have been a really cool like Yankee delinquent manga too, if uh, if it if it so felt like going that direction. Yeah, there's so many things it could have been if only it actually did any of them. And and isn't isn't that the worst thing about some of these canceled series? Is man, if only it just had a little more time or uh had or had a little more foresight to like you know use the time it had to execute its ideas so much better. I think in a lot of ways this suffered for being uh, Juzo Kawaii's first series as well. And it was quite a troubled thing. So I have to wonder how much of it was like him going week to week. Oh God, I'm not going to finish this chapter. I'd best start planning the next thing in case they don't like this or whatever. Like it, it reads like it was made by someone who was very overwhelmed by trying to actually make a comic. Uh, so this apparently had, according to the author at least, so Pinch of Salt... But it had one of the most uh, sort of troubled staff shortages of any series in Shonen Jump's history. Wow. And to the point where most most weeks there would be uh, other published authors or any staff members that could be found like coming in and just helping finish the chapters and get them out. Uh, like he says, he literally he couldn't credit them all on that final page, so he only did ones who came in like more than twice. Wow, which is insanity. And some of these are like pretty notable names, and so it's it's really interesting. I'm, I'll give you a nice little bit of a uh, assistant corner here as I lead you through a few of the people that went through this, because one of them, one of them will be interesting. Although I don't know how much you'll be knowing anything about it, but roll with me here. So the first is a. Uh, Keisuke Goto, who uh, currently does a series called uh, Her Skin Does Not Forget, which is like this adult romance thing, like with a sort of a mystery vibe behind it all, which is like, that's not what you'd think someone who's also helped work on this would do. Uh, but you also had one of the uh, people published, do you remember before Jump Plus, there was Jump Live, a, a, a sort of mobile phone manga service that continued uh rookie policewoman uh, kilko san and a couple of other things i th- I think i do remember that yeah yeah so they had one author from that uh manabu yashiro who's not really appeared since jump live but like still you know someone who was clearly coming up at the same time as kawaii uh and then uh kenta suchida who uh people who have tended to read manga through other means, may know for uh, the series Lock On, that was a cancelled jump series from 2009 about a pervert who likes taking photos of girls. <laughs> and he has to wear an eye patch because he has, he, has uh, he has a very typical middle school syndrome power. Uh, so he has to keep his, keep his eye covered, else he'll use it without wanting to and he'll get tired. But it's just a photographic memory. Um, and that author's actually had some success since doing My Animal for Jump Plus. But the really interesting one is one of the assistants, uh, one of the most noted ones on it, who apparently can like just draw stuff incredibly quickly, 
is a Kentaro Hidano who would be known for anybody reading Weekly Shonen Jump right now for having just launched their debut series, Ziga, which is Godzilla, but what if not called Godzilla? Oh, wow. Huh. Interesting. So, like, there, there's, like, a murderous row of noteworthy talent who had to step in and actually help this comic come out for the 17 weeks that it did. And you just have to think, like, how how much of a mess must things have been behind the scenes between the comic being so shaky and all over the place and having to have so many people come in? Like, it, it seems like it, it might have just been a very strange train wreck in a lot of ways. And I don't think Juzo Kwai would say anything to the contrary because they've not done any work since. Mm, yeah, that, that that's a real shame because... You know, as 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 mixed as I am on Takamakahara, and as I get, I guess as um, as much of a, I hate to say it, but as much of a crapshoot as the series became, unfortunately, um, yeah, I I I would like to see Kawhi come back for more work. It it would be nice. Like there there was so much potential. I mean, just to the art alone, or even the ideas they were showing, and it's. Well, it, it's not that it's all for nothing. There's a two-volume series out there. It's available in multiple countries, and, you know, people do like it. Mm-hmm. But it seems a shame that that, like, that one big failure will be all they're really known for. Yeah, so I, I, I hope I hope Kawhi can come back for more work in the future. Um, I don't know. It, it just it seems like a shame because it, it seems like, again, Takamakahara did have, did, have, did have at least some potential... And so I, I'd be interested in what other ideas, uh, you know, th- they could come up with. Well, I mean, uh, we've talked about it outside of the show, but like, it's not like the author's without his accolades as well. Uh, he is actually uh, an award winner for Takamagahara, which is kind of bizarre in its own way, especially because the the site that gave it to them was uh, was Comics Alliance, which was for its time a very big comic site that through various sales and awkwardness between AOL and other companies is now defunct. But it got a uh, it got a Stephanie Brown Memorial Award uh for being the cruelest cancellation. Uh, which yeah, sure, why not? I mean really its competition would have been Barrage, and whilst I know people do like Barrage, I don't, and I'm right, so <laughs> Maxi, we are going to do an episode on Barrage at some point, because, man... We we have to do an episode on Barrage, because I'm not a person who really dunks on series much, but I I would say that Barrage is probably the... Not not the worst, because Red Sprite exists. But it's one of the worst uh, full series that have been published by Weekly Shonen Jump. It's just... It's, it's so sloppy, which is crazy, because I like everything else that Kohei Horikoshi's done. But not that. But anyway, so this award uh, was given by uh, one of the members of Star Wars Comics Alliance, David Brothers, who just last year uh, has become an editor for Viz Media, who do Weekly Shonen Jump. Uh, he just uh, he was doing the editing on Noah's Notes when that had its jump start run a few weeks ago. So that's like one of these sort of crazy wheels within wheels things that I find really interesting about the uh, the sort of the nature of comics journalism and publishing and how it all it all ends up interweaving eventually in the west yeah that that's really interesting how um how things just kind of work out that way oh man yeah sorry now now, now i'm just now i'm just thinking about how i'm how much i want to talk about barrage at some point because man that was that was <laughs> something i remember i was 
I was reading uh, I was reading weekly at the point at that point too because like I was because I was all, I was already a fan of Horikoshi at that point because like I love Omagadoki Zoo which is like his his first like full work and jump which is something I also really if we're gonna talk about Barrage I want to talk about Omagadoki Zoo even if it's not even if it's not licensed I just I want to talk about it so bad I know I'm absolutely willing to talk about it I mean if I need to kind of revisit any of it it's not like the volumes aren't available digitally so i can like grab it in japanese and flick through and uh and then have minor regrets but still have a good time because that that comic is is fantastic but the character designs are very busy i can agree with that which it, it's not it's not the worst thing and i mean it means you get this sort of really great uh main character with the rabbit dude who's just like Almost looks like a patchwork man, the amount of layers he's got on and stuff. Like, there's a scarf and a hat and a jacket and all sorts. Um, which is a, a bit much, but I do like it. But then you get other characters where it's, uh, it just doesn't sit well with me. But still, a good comic. And I mean, it had, what, like a five-volume run? That's that's a decent debut. Yeah, it, it ran for, like, close to 40 chapters. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it clearly it clearly was doing well at some point, I guess, but... I don't know that that Omega Doki Zoo is is really interesting to say the least, um, and is definitely one of my actually one of probably one of my favorite comics. Actually, it's definitely one where there's a lot to say about it. Which I mean, let's be honest, is probably more than either of us could have said for uh, Takamagahara before we started doing this episode. <laughs> I you know that that was that was something I, I think I was I think I was telling off Mike was or I guess I or, or did I I forget what was off Mike and what was not, How long but have been you know. Doing this? I don't like an hour. I don't know. Um, That's not too but, bad. But it, it's been a it's been a long episode. But no, that was that was something I was kind of afraid of going in. Was I like revisiting this series again after so long and kind of seeing how I, I guess maybe how I feel about it compared to back then, back in 2012 when I was actually reading this weekly. But I think that's the problem is that my feelings I don't think have really changed. I, I think I appreciate some aspects of it a little bit more, or maybe like some aspects maybe about the same, I guess. I don't know. But I guess that was something I was afraid of was, man, I, I don't think we really have a, like a ton to say about this other than it's a shame. Um, like, <laughs> I, I know we, we talked a lot about like the last time we talked about any kind of canceled jump comic when we talked about like Hi-Fi Cluster. I know we kind of had our grievances with how that story was handled, um, but I think if we had to compare the two, I think Hi-Fi Cluster might have been handled just a tiny bit better, <laughs> comparatively speaking. I feel like I liked Kamagahara more. Really? Hi-Fi... Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like as much as it didn't execute pretty much any of its ideas as well as I wanted it to, I really admire that there were all these ideas. And Hi-Fi Cluster, it, it, gives a, it gives a really good effort, and I think it does a very well-told story right up until... The point where you realize that the author's been told it's being cancelled and it all starts falling apart. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that's a good point. Yeah, so like, I, I, I feel like it's it's the choice between do you want a really a really well told story that just doesn't really manage to present the ideas it wants, or do you want an incredibly scrappily told story that throws every idea at the wall, doesn't explain them, and stops. Yeah, because because I feel like the difference with Hi-Fi Cluster is that yeah, there is a clear point where you could tell all all of these story beats and plot points that would have been saved for a longer run. You know, the, the the fact that they're that they come into the story so soon is a clear like red flag that okay, this thing is this thing is going to end soon. Whereas 
talking about Gahara, I just, I, I guess to for me, it's like how soon, uh, I guess how soon these ideas are brought up. Whereas High Fight Cluster, I think, at least tried to have some sort of resolution, which I appreciate. Whereas talking about Gahara is literally like, okay, so here's the bulk of the story we would have told, and here are the ideas we would have maybe gone with, and oh, here's a basically here here's the central conflict, but but we don't we don't have time. We don't we don't even have time to like really resolute anything. It's just, it's so interesting to me, because it literally throws all of its ideas for what it maybe wanted to do if it had a longer run in the in that last chapter, like, oh, here are these zombie things that want to get a hold of this chick's power to bring the, uh, bring the dead back or whatever, and oh, there's, there's this, there's this one woman who's leading the zombies, I guess, oh, curse you guys, I'm foiled again. I don't know, it, it's... <laughs> it's really bizarre as well, like, specifically with that stuff, because... If it weren't any other author, you'd get the impression that, like, so many ideas that just, that only come up at the end. Stuff like, uh, like the yin yang power, like the yomi, these, uh, these things where karma has taken over the power havers and they become these sort of weird white uniformed guys. Like, that stuff that, if I hadn't have got to that in the 17 weeks the series had been around, I would have saved it for another series. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? But, like, I, I don't know if, like, if stuff was that tumultuous that, like, Juzo Kawaii was just like, I oh, know I'm not getting another series. <laughs> like, and just kind of threw it all out there, which is which is morbid, but it it's the only way I can think of to explain how how someone could literally just kind of just spur everything against the wall that, like, hadn't managed to happen in it yet. Because half of it wasn't even alluded to in the rest of the comic. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Oh man, yeah. I th- I think that was the thing that like really got me the most was oh yeah, look at all these look at all this stuff we could have done. Oh, we're over. It's over. Bye guys. <laughs> that can often be one of the worst things about jump comics in general. Uh, I think I've talked about it on another episode of Manga Mavericks in the past, probably the Hi Fi Cluster one actually. But the uh, the King Crimson effect, uh, which is named after the the JoJo ability. Like, of where a comic in its last couple of chapters, or usually the very last chapter, will go and say, hey, I know what story was happening last week, but now it's, like, ten years in the future. Look where they've all ended up. And, like, you don't recognize anything that's happened. It's like, hey, this is what you could have had. Which is frustrating, at least. I don't even I don't even think that much time passes uh, as far as Takabakahara's time skip goes. Because it, like, it seems like all the characters are, like... Uh, at least most of like the school age characters are still in like school at least or at least yeah it looks exactly the same it doesn't seem like much time has passed but it treats it like uh like yamato and his teammates have had like some sort of massive journey at the school taking it over i guess so clearly to the point that they've not just taken over school but like they've dealt all the way up to level of principal because their jackets are like say to kamagahara on it instead of just the name of a uh, name of the the school that he was a part of at that larger school but like it it doesn't give you much to go on it's all just intimated through like the bits and pieces you see oh yeah and i guess um i guess the the other power i thought was interesting i've told i can't believe i forgot to mention this i thought the video game power was really cool oh yeah no it's crazy that we've not actually mentioned this considering it's like probably the most significant fight in the whole comic (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, so um, when Yamato and everyone end up going to the school, they they have to go and deal with the 
like the sort of the main student who's like taking the place over it. It seems like this one guy who's always quiet has like his underling talk for them. But it turns out he's actually being controlled by the underling who has like bruises in the shape of a game controller on his left arm that he's just been using to to control this giant hulking dude. And like that I thought was a really interesting parrot and they alluded to it well by having it be like, oh, his habit is tapping and like he does it on the desk and you can see through like the finger movements, it's like how someone would play an arcade stick, which is a, a weird thing to spot as foreshadowing because otherwise you would just think, oh, it's tapping, but it's very... It's very situated, and even when it's on his arm. But it still works as a really interesting twist, and then the actual way the power works, and how, despite him being, like, the villain of that storyline, it's actually kind of ended up being a teaching moment where it's taught empathy to the bully that he's been controlling all this time. Oh, yeah. And I I, I thought that little part of the story, as far as, like, all of the, um, I guess, the the misdirection goes, and... Um, I guess some of the foreshadowing I thought was done fairly well, you know, because there's a lot of hints in there as to, like, what this dude's power actually is. Because, you know, at first, you know, they start talking about, like, all the really lame Kamiwaza powers that people have where it's like, oh, your nose hair can grow or, hey, I could turn my rice blue, which is like, those are some very specific, very useless powers that I enjoy Um, where it's like, oh, this guy can, like, give himself another one up in a video game. That's... I guess that'd be useful for video games, so it's not useful for much else. So I find that kind of interesting, because it's like, it's not like he... He didn't completely lie about his powers. His powers do have to do with video games, but I like that his powers were more a little more extensive than that. I kind of... Um, I, I, I kind of like that he ended up being kind of the big bad, like, oh, it was the little guy the whole time, uh, controlling the big guy. And even, like, the, uh, the bigger guy powers, which... I find it funny that his name is Taiju, because all I could think about was Dr. Stone. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought his powers were really interesting in that, you know, he could mess with sound. And I, I really like some of the bits where it's like, you know, Yamato is just being attacked by, like, just this, like, clusterfuck of sound. Uh, which I thought was actually pretty visually interesting. Like, we, we were we were talking about lettering earlier and how, like, uh, and how they didn't replace it with, like, English done lettering. And I think that power was probably a big part of that decision. Because, like, the, the whole explosion of sound effects, like, being blasted through Yamato looks really cool. Um, I cannot imagine what Annalise would have to go through in order to, like, uh, to, like, completely just erase all of that and just redraw all of those to to match English. Like... I can't even imagine working on those uh, on those parts of the story. Oh, it would have been a nightmare, like no doubt. So I I guess in this sense, Annalise dodged a bullet there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, not that we should keep talking about it like she was somehow put out by the series, because again, like, <laughs> uh, from, from talking about Annalise before, like she's fond of it, and and I agree, it's a good comic. So yay, we don't 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 hate us for the bad things we've said about it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I think that was probably some of the most, like, I guess that part of the story was probably the most interesting in that, like, uh, there were allusions to certain things made, like, you know, Izumo and, um, and the kid, I forget his name, I'm sorry. Uh, Ibishi. Imishi, yeah, that's right. Um, they have this moment where it's like, you know, where he's like, hey, can I punch one of you guys to see how strong I am? And Izumo's like, okay, fine, hit me, and he hits him or whatever. And that ends up playing into his powers, because whole, the whole thing with his powers is that he can control anybody he's hit. Um, and then when you realize, oh yeah, he he hit Izumo, so he can technically control him too. Like, I, I like little things like that. I thought that was kind of cool. 
it's also it's really well integrated as like this character moment because Izmo like throws himself backwards to make it look like the punch was stronger than it was. So it like it kind of really drives home that sort of that nice but almost unsettling kindness he has towards everyone because you, you get the feeling he's up to something even though they never really do anything with that. <laughs> but like it, it's it's a nice sweet moment still, and uh, I, I feel like again it just it just comes down to the potential this comic could have had if it if it did anything with any of the stuff man you know i, I think it really says something about tagama gahara where like even with all of its faults and um and you know the untapped potential that a lot of these ideas have that izumo is still probably I, i'm gonna say probably the best thing about this series oh yeah i mean even if it weren't for like what characterization we get like he's got a really like good unique design that seems really atypical for what you get in a lot of uh a lot of jump manga and you know obviously his powers are very interesting and overall he just seems like a very he, he he's such like a he's such a cool guy like you, you, you like you almost kind of want to hang out with him almost yeah which i think is really successful uh i i don't think they have the same success with uh with casimo who i i i i feel like i'm saying his name differently every single time but we'll roll with that uh who I I feel like they they spend a lot of time with, but they don't make him that much more interesting than the sort of basic level of hey he's got a neat power set and here's this funny gimmick. Yeah, he doesn't have much of a personality outside of stoic badass, which you know everybody likes that character type. Oh yeah, well you know it's the one that tends to do well with the younger readers. I mean, just look at uh look at Sasuke. Mm, or, or I was gonna say Bakugo, but like he's actually an interesting character, <laughs> so I guess that maybe that doesn't work. Well, that I don't think stoic would be the word for him. I mean, uh, stoic. Oh, no, no Todoroki. Todoroki's yeah, a better example. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they make him interesting, but it takes a sports festival to do it. Mate, that that's what Takamagahara needed. If Takamagahara had a sports festival, oh my god, that would be amazing. Yeah, you know, I said it as a joke, and as I was finishing the sentence, I was like, actually, I really wish that it had done that. <laughs> Again, which it comes down to, there's so much they could have done with this, and the, the whole school setting of Takamakara, which is a mountain made up of other schools, is like, there's room for that sort of stuff, and it just didn't do any of it. I know, and like, I think there's a, I think there's a point in, in the, near the end, where it's like, Okay, we fought this guy. Oh, but there's like, uh, obviously, you got to fight the the obligatory big four of whatever, and and then uh, uh, like complete your quest or whatever. And it's like, okay, well, we're we're not gonna ever get to any of that. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, man, I really hate that this discussion has just come has just like devolved into us coming up with better ideas for Takamakahara that we'll never see. It's kind of sad in its way. But at the same time, you have to, like, this, this is where you have to give it some credit. We were clearly winding down this, like, review of it. And yet we somehow got pulled back into to talking about it. So, like, it, it, it clearly had so much potential, which is kind of the sad thing. But, I mean, I'm, I'm glad I read it. I think I, I bought it at full price on, on Comixology. So, I mean, I spent £10 to read 400 pages of a comic that could have been better but you know, had had something I enjoyed. That that'll do, really. Mm. Yeah, I guess for I think over on my side, I I paid like close to fourteen dollars to to read all of Takamakahara, which 
I'm not upset at that price. I'm fine with that, because it's like... Yeah, I mean, what could you buy for $14? Just like a, a nice pizza? Yeah, you, 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 could get a, you could get a pizza for that price, you know? And yeah. like, if, if I had to choose between uh, two volumes of manga and pizza, I don't know. I, I like both. I like manga and pizza. So. If you could eat to Kamigahara, <laughs> it would be ideal. <laughs> uh, see, I don't know. I don't I don't know if I like Takamagahara enough to eat it, but you know, I man, this conversation's gotten really weird. Sorry, I I, I do this. I do this a lot. No, I, I love it. I yeah. I'm having I'm having a great time. Um so I guess it comes down to I don't know, would you would you recommend Takamagahara to people though, just in general? Because I feel like I wouldn't. I don't uh... know. I, or at the very least, I would I would be hesitant about it. It would have to come with caveats. Like, I, I would absolutely recommend it to people, but it would have to be the right sort of person to read it. Not to say that there's really wrong sorts of people, but like... I, I, guess, I guess people that you would know, you know, like, sure, maybe maybe they'll get kind of hung up on the fact that it doesn't really have an ending to its story, and it doesn't have, it doesn't have the time to resolve anything, almost, but like, or act on its ideas to its full extent, but uh, to, like I guess I would recommend it to somebody who I would know would still, I think would still like get a get something out of the ideas it's presenting at least. Like you know, like just just to somebody who's looking for something short to read because I know I think that's something Takamakahara actually has to to its advantage as far as like you know uh, manga fans over here in the U.S. Really, outside, I guess outside of Japan, you know, people who are maybe kind of burnt out on like longer running stuff or people who are intimidated on uh, at the idea of like starting to like you know even like buying or even really reading long running stuff not even buying them um there people who are just intimidated by long running stuff in general you know cuz i've heard that you know obviously i guess it goes without saying that short shorter lived stuff i think has a better chance of doing better just cuz you know people like short stuff yeah it, it's nice to get in and out if, like, you're trying to recommend something to somebody who, say, doesn't want to read 80 volumes of One Piece because they think they have to read it all in one sitting for some reason, um, you know, maybe maybe you can recommend something like Takamakahara, where it's like, you know, it has some cool action, and, you know, it's you can recommend it to somebody who's not, like, who's not, like, maybe super picky about the comics they read, and I know that probably makes it sound like a bad thing, but, you know, just just something for somebody that maybe they're not looking for, like, a whole ton uh, from something they're reading, some like like a time waster, something to kind of pass the time. If you want to read something that's fun but not necessarily great, you know, just like a popcorn comic almost. Yeah, uh, and the short comic <laughs> thing definitely runs true. Like, if people were to ask me for recommendations for short, uh, short manga series, this would probably be in the first five I recommend to them. Which, considering the amount of stuff I've read, that that's actually pretty high praise. <laughs> Yeah, I could see that. Like, I, I honestly, Maxie, I think you did a better <laughs> you did a better job of of explaining my point than I did. But yeah, I would go with that. I would say, yeah, if you just want you just want something you know short but fun enough, you know, I I could recommend it. But again, it's really going to depend on. Uh, I guess this goes with any recommendation, but it's really going to depend on the person you're recommending this to. Because if you're going to recommend this to somebody who uh, really wants a very gripping well-told story, then I 
then no, this would not be the first thing I would go to at all. Well, this this sounds like an awful dunk after you've just said that, but I was going to say, <laughs> this is probably the sort of thing I'd recommend to people who really like the fights in Bleach. Because <laughs> it, it's got that sort of stuff, you know? It's got, like, the really well-told action and then, like, weird sides of comedy that doesn't really work out. Like, it's got a lot in common with Bleach's action scenes. It, it kind of does, actually. I, I could see that. Um... But no, yeah, I, you know, man, I think it's it's so it's so hard to like, because I'm I'm having to do this thing where it's like I have so many criticisms of Takamakahara, but I'm really trying to not, I'm really trying not to dunk on it too much because again, you know, like you were saying with the trouble with the production of this comic in general that it was apparently was having, I I I don't I I really don't want to dunk on it too hard considering. You know what was going on there. Don't don't get me wrong. It's still perfectly fine to like sit down at the end of the day and say I thought this comic was pretty bad because you know if it, even if it's got reasons to be bad, a bad comic's bad, or rather, a comic you don't like isn't good. You know, so like exactly, you know, you're, you're not in the wrong to dislike it for that. Don't don't let me like pressure you with my comics positivity to have to be nice about everything you read because <laughs> that that drives that drives you insane after a while. And then you turn into me who. Who ends up? I'm trying to think of a funny way to say this. Okay, here's a good one. If you if you end up being like me, positive about all comics, you end up going crazy enough that you end up reading Urashon, a series about piss. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to know more about the manga about piss, you can find me on Twitter <laughs> at Maxina B. <laughs> I almost want to. I almost want to just end it there and then just just, just cut to the end of the show. <laughs> but I'm I'm not I'm not going to do that to you. That would be cruel. Um, but no, I I think we've probably exhausted everything we had to say about Takama Gahara. It's it's a weird it's a weird short lived series that honestly is actually pretty fun to talk about. I'm I can't I can't even lie. I mean I'm anything that I can get a podcast out of I can't say is all bad. Um. But no, yeah, Maxie, thank you for uh, coming on and, uh, you know, talking about more Cancel Jump comics with me. Yeah, I'll, I'll happily do it anytime. I've read a lot of them. Um, Maxie, do you have anything to plug before we um, head out of here real soon? Uh, sure. So I mentioned it in a joke about a manga that I've read about piss, but um, you can find <laughs> me on Twitter at MaxieTheBee. I'm currently, my main thing is that I'm trying to do a thread where I'm going through all of uh, Captain Tsubasa in the original Japanese and that's stalled a little bit because as it turns out it's really hard to read and i'm i'm trying not to go and use uh shinji's translations to help me out mostly because uh i don't touch anything pirated really but also because uh the older ones for the era i'm reading are wonky i mean uh shinji's uh, as far as I know, he's French. Like, English isn't his first language. And so a, a lot of the early uh, scans he did back, it, back in the olden days when scans weren't evil, uh, they read they read awfully. They're the gibberish, mostly. Um, so I'm having to read this in Japanese. It's it's taking me some good time between chapters, but the thread is pinned to the top of my my thing. I've gone through a lot. I'm, I'm on, like, the middle of volume six right now of these sort of big 350-page volumes. So wow. I'm making good progress. My plan is to act, uh, to actually have done the whole series before the year's over. Probably not going to happen, but we'll see. Uh, 
Beyond that, I'm also actually doing stuff on Friendship Effort Victory again. There's uh, no real set plan. There's no dates the posts come out. It's literally just, I feel like doing something, I do it. I've done uh, posts about what I'm reading in uh, Japanese magazines at the moment, because the magazines are ones that people don't tend to know much about. So I've done one for Shonen Sunday, uh, which, I mean, we, we know about because Bomber's in our lives, but <laughs> no one else does. Uh, Pretty much. And for Grand Jump, which nobody, nobody talks about Grand Jump, which is a shame because it's the best jump magazine. And uh, I'm probably wrong about that, but I like it because in my heart, I am a uh, a mid-30s businessman. Well, I, I, I appreciate your posts about Grand Jump, Maxi. Um, I really appreciate all I, I appreciate all your tweets, really. I, I like I admit that I don't follow them a, a, a very frequently um, but you know, whenever I, whenever I do see them, I, I just, I just like that you post about the stuff you read. Um, it just, I don't know. I just, I just like having your tweets around cause I think they are legitimately very interesting. Yeah. That's the thing. Well, and, and people have really kind of latched onto my current brand of talking about all the strange things I'm reading in Japanese, <laughs> uh, reading in quotation marks because, uh, I'm doing okay with Japanese as a language, but I'm also very wrong about most things <laughs> I read. Uh, but you know, it's it's been the first time in ages where like people have started following me on Twitter from like new walks of life that I never expected. So clearly, there's something to this. Apparently, uh, but yeah, there will be a review going up on Friendship Effort Victory for uh, for Saintiest Show from Seven Seas, the uh, the shoujo reimagining of Saint Seiya Legends of the Zodiac. Uh, it's it might take me a little while to write about because it's really really weird, <laughs> but. Uh, I, I'm I'm excited to actually let people know about this sort of really unusual manga that exists. Uh, and I think that's all I have to plug for now. Okay, I'm ready. Oh, shit. You can come back now. I'm, uh, I'm here. <laughs> how, how, how are the chicken wings? They were, they were great. They were great. I, I you, you know you can never have more than one you can never have just one <laughs> as the old saying goes you could never have more than one chicken wing <laughs> <laughs> oh man um that's great that you got to eat but well actually i i can't i can't i'm i'm not even gonna front i actually because for those who don't know uh we spend like two hours before and after uh every time me and bomber record we always spend like we always spend like at least another four hours talking to each other. So, like, I ate ahead of time because I knew it was going to happen. We spent, like, two hours talking before we recorded this thing. <laughs> he, uh, we learned from experience. Yeah, I ate before. I got on <laughs> We, we too, both knew better. Like... Um, but, no, yeah, anyway, so that, that's that's going to be the end of the show. Bomber, thank you so much for coming on and helping me um, record the rest of the show. I really appreciate it. Oh, no problem, man. Anytime. But, uh, yeah, hopefully Sid will be back in the next episode. Um I know we said last episode that we were going to review Fire Punch, but, you know, with, with Sid's schedule kind of coming back to bite him a little bit and him working on his thesis or something, he's working on a lot of school stuff. Um, you know, we decided to kind of put that on hold. Um, I'd like to review it at some point. I, I hear really good things about Fire Punch, or at least really interesting things. So I want to get to that at some point. But I think next time, and I said I, I say I think because I'm sure maybe it'll change again. I don't know. But... The plan for next time, anyway, is that we basically want to cover 
all three jump starts from the past month here of Weekly Shonen Jump, and also talk about the new one-shot that recently debuted uh, in Jump from uh, Hiroshi Shibashi. I feel like I remembered that name wrong, uh, but the author of uh, Nura Rise of the Yokai Clan uh, had a had a one-shot in Weekly Shonen Jump pretty recently, so we're... We're going to be talking about a lot of miscellaneous things next episode, along with more news and stuff. So, again, more catch-up a little bit, but uh, hopefully hopefully afterwards, we'll finally get around to talking about World Trigger, because that is something that me and Sid have been kind of preparing for over the past month or so, and unfortunately, it's been pushed back a few times, but, you know, we, we do want to talk about that here in the next couple of episodes or so. So, yeah, that's what we that's what you can uh, look forward to on Manga Mavericks. Um, again, uh, like we probably said in the discussion with Maxi, uh, I'm, I really want to thank him for coming on and talking about Takamakahara with me. Um, you can follow Maxi on Twitter at Maxi the Bee. Uh, follow him for all of your uh, piss drinking manga needs, <laughs> and he's gonna be really upset <laughs> that I said that <laughs> because that was um. That was something he kind of joked about in the discussion, and I totally, I totally forgot that he did that. Remember when Maxi read that thing? I don't think he tweeted about that too much. Rightfully no, so. No, he actually he didn't tweet about it too much, but I actually read like he tweeted he made a tweet about it, and I was like, <laughs> I did see that, and I think I commented that. So I was like, yeah, it takes all kinds. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm not going to judge anybody who who reads that. That's up to you, but wow. <laughs> oh, man. I, I love Maxi and his Twitter so much. Um, again, that's Maxi the Bee. Um, but Bomber, why, why don't you talk about where people could follow you online? Oh, okay. So, anyway, you can follow me at Kirobon. That's K I I R O B O N uh, on Twitter. Uh, I mean, I don't. I also have a blog, the uh, HTTPS uh, sla- uh, two, two slashes. WSS Talkback, that's W-S-S-T-A-L-K-B-A-C dot blogspot.com, and I talk about Shonen Sunday there. If you've ever wondered, you know, what's in there besides Conan, I can give you all the deets you want. So you can hit me up there as well. And But mainly I'm on Twitter just spending my day shit posting when I should probably be working. <laughs> 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 but or talking about Bomberman, so please don't expect much from my Twitter, please. <laughs> um, but yes, de- definitely follow Bomber on Twitter, and definitely check out the Shonen Sunday Talkback blog. I mean, like, if you really want, like, pr- probably the most extensive coverage of Shonen Sunday in English, his site is probably going to be the best place to go. Like, you know, obviously Bomber doesn't read everything in Shonen Sunday because who has the time for that? Uh, but yeah, <laughs> but you know he reads a lot of shit in Shonen Sunday, and if you're a fan of Shonen Sunday at all, you really owe it to yourself to check it out. Um, or if you really just don't know anything about Shonen Sunday in general, like I personally think it's a great resource. Just again, also as somebody who, and uh, admittedly, unfortunately, doesn't know a lot about Shonen Sunday or a lot of the titles that run it. Again, besides Conan and Silver Spoon and Magi, I mean Magi's over, but you know what I mean. But no, yeah, just just go, just go follow Bomber. Just do it. Go follow Bomber and Maxi. I, I I couldn't have them both on at the show at the same time, but uh, this was the best I could do on such short notice. We're gonna have them both on the show at some point because that's gonna be a real like power combo. The the Bomber, Maxi the B power hour. It's it's gonna happen at some point. <laughs> 
But uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you know, you can follow me at SniperKing323. I do a lot of manga threads to the point where I wonder if people get sick of them. But, you know, I read a lot of stuff and I, I like sharing my thoughts on the stuff I read. I'm Again, I'm going to hopefully finish up World Trigger in time for our episode on it. Um, I'm reading stuff like uh, I'm I'm slowly but surely going through stuff like Toriko, Assassination Classroom, just rereading a lot of stuff for certain episodes of the podcast we're going to be recording later in the year. Um, so yeah, just, just follow me on Twitter for, you know, if you're interested in what I'm reading or, or whatnot. Um, I, you can also listen to life lessons, the Gintama manga cast, even though it's sort of on a hiatus right now. Um, you know, if you're a fan of Gintama and you want to listen to somebody talk about the Viz release of Gintama, uh, specifically the English Viz release, uh, go follow that. That's Life Lessons, the Gintama Manga Cast at gintalifelessons.wordpress.com. Or if you want something similar, but you're a, more of a fan of Detective Conan slash Case Closed, uh, go listen to One Podcast Prevails at onepodcastprevails.wordpress.com. I really like recording that show, so please go listen to it if you're a fan of Conan. Um, but as far as like all comic in the podcast, you can find more of our podcast on all-comic.com. That's where we post every episode first. You can also follow us on facebook.com slash all.comic or on twitter.com slash allcomic underscore. But if you want to follow Manga Maverick specifically, you want to follow us on Twitter for all the latest updates at manga underscore mavericks. You can also follow us on mangamavericks.tumblr.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel for for some exclusive stuff uh, over at uh, youtube.com slash manga mavericks. Um, what did you think about the news we covered on this episode? Uh, do you have any thoughts on Takaba Gahara? What are some canceled jump series you want to hear us talk about on the episode? Um... You should uh, email us anything about whatever you're reading or any or any of your thoughts on any of what we talked about on this episode over to mangamavericks at gmail.com. But the most important thing, guys, is that you subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes or, I guess, Apple Podcasts. I don't know what they call that thing anymore. The software formerly known as iTunes. Um, but I guess, yeah, that's pretty much about it. So... Um, again, special thanks to both Bomber and uh, Maxi for coming on the show to help me out. Uh, and uh, we will see you guys next time. Uh, this has been episode 46 of the podcast. And we will see you guys next time for episode 47. Bye, guys. <laughs> <laughs>